Welcome back to the show, podcast fans. This is the Zero to Hear podcast. Tonight's episode was a very fun one. Finally got one of my good buddies, Alex D'Angelo, onto the show. He is a mortgage broker in Greater Vancouver. We go way back. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of emotion in this one. And it was a lot of fun. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. I'd love to hear your feedback. Shoot us a review. Hit that subscribe button on your uh, little podcast icon. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. On tonight's episode, Jojo Mason is back. (laughs) Uh, I made a joke because Alex asked me if I use the same intro for every podcast. (laughs) And I said, no, Alex, we have a different guest every podcast. Alex, how are you, buddy? Very well, thank you, Danny. How are you? How long have you been waiting for this opportunity? How long has this podcast been around? Uh, 15 months. Okay, I've been waiting 14 months. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Sean. He was your first guest, right? Sean Francis. Sean yes, Francis. That's, that's correct. I listen to Sean Francis's uh, podcast. I'm like, you know what? I need to crack the starting lineup of Denny's podcast. Now, 15 months later, I have done something in your eyes to deserve this opportunity. So thank you, producer Carl and Denny for having me. <laughs> <laughs> you... Hold on a second. You've been on the podcast multiple times. Yeah, but I'm always like this like background character. Like <laughs> it's like this mythical thing. Like I've been mentioned more on this podcast than probably any other third party, but like I'm oh. never there. You've probably been mentioned more on this podcast than all other third parties put yeah, together. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm honored, but also like it's my time to shine now, guys. So we're just, just happy to be in this podcast. Oh, I'm just happy to just be, you know? <laughs> so we had two unofficial podcasts with you, right? Uh, we had the Four Growler Challenge. And then we, we had yeah. the intro Four Growler Challenge, right? Yeah. And then we had the, where you interviewed Denny. Did that ever get aired? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So yeah, this is, yeah, I guess this is my third time on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you still bug me every week to come on. <laughs> well, every week I listen to a new one. I'm just like, that was a great one. <laughs> I like I have these things I want to talk about too. Such as? <laughs> Man, whatever. I just want to, I just want to be, you know? <laughs> Uh, we were talking before we started taping. This, Alex and I are very good friends, as most of you know, if you listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. This is either going to be one of the absolute best podcasts of all time, like up there. Yeah. Up there, competing with Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And literally. Or it could be the biggest piece of shit ever. Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's literally no in between. No, there's no, there's none. And it's funny how like before we started this, then he's looking at his scotch collection. And he literally says, like, I don't deserve the top shelf <laughs> scotch that all his other, guys, his other guests get. So, yeah, we're going to be drinking some, like, subpar scotch and uh, <laughs> talking about stuff, I guess. I think that just uh, is a pretty good indication of your respect for me. No, of our relationship. <laughs> we like to bug each other, but we get along very well. We do, Danny. Thank you, buddy. Whenever people ask me about Alex... You, you, Alex. I have a lot of friends named Alex, and it's really confusing, actually. Whenever they ask me about you, I the first thing I say is, Alex is a man of many talents. It's true. It is true. <laughs> I, I like to think of myself as difficult to describe, to be honest with you. Interesting. Yeah, because like, there's like a lot of, like, I'm like, you know, the whole Shrek onion thing. Like, that is Alex, I, I think. 
Mm. There's a lot of layers, you know? Like there's like professional Alex and there's like Alex who likes to like sing and dance. And there's Alex who likes to juggle and likes to go, you know, there's like a lot of Alexes. (laughs) How many people get to see the real Alex? Ooh, that's a deep question right off the start. I would say very few, to be honest with you. Mm. Like the real genuine Alex, I'd say very few. I'd say very close family and friends is about it. Because like a lot of people, especially people who I deal with professionally, when they see kind of like my Instagram and how I am on my Instagram, more like lighthearted and joking, like being a mortgage broker, it's pretty hard to be lighthearted and joking. It's pretty, it's like being lighthearted and joking as like a funeral director, you know, it's very somber industry. (laughs) Talk about money, interest rates, you know, payments, stuff like that. But I think when they, that's why I love social media, because it gives you a chance to kind of show people a little bit, like a peek into who the real Alex is. Also, Mm -hmm. I love how we're starting with me talking in third person. The real Alex? Isn't that how you talk most of the time? <laughs> yeah, I do, but I'm liking <laughs> that I'm given a platform to do it on. <laughs> yes, I do. It's interesting about this layers thing. Why do you think, what's the need for layers? Like, oh, wow. Why, why aren't, why isn't everyone that ever meets Alex, John Smith meets you tomorrow morning, why isn't all the layers out there already? Like, why is there layers? Um, I'd like to say, I think the cool answer would be like, no, I don't want cool answer. I don't give a shit about the cool answer. Okay. I think the reason is because like, I'm, I'm the type of person who becomes kind of who the other person wants them to be. So if it's like a business transaction, I'll be totally different than if it's a relationship, like personally or like romantically or like a friendship. Like a lot of times, like the non-real Alex, I'd say is the person who I think the other person wants them to be. And I think, honestly, that comes from working banking for so long. That's just, like, just they just beat that into you. I honestly, and it's, like, hard to get out of that. Have you ever explored the pros and cons of that? No. I'm sure you have. Would, would you like to explore the pros and cons of that? Let's do it, man. I have a feeling there's going to be more cons than pros, but let's No, I'm it. just curious. Because, <clears throat> like, if you're always adapting portions of your personality to fit into a situation whether it be professional friendship based you know whatever the situation is isn't there always some sort of assumption that you're assuming that this person over here wants to see something there is but i think when you do it enough times you get pretty good at that assumption and i also don't think there's anything wrong with assuming things i feel like it's a shortcut to like an end to assume something i think the i think assuming things is different than like intuition though Okay, then maybe let's say it's my intuition that lets me know who I think. And it's not like I'm, I'm walking around here like with like multi-personalities. I just think like the way I deal... Because it's starting to sound like that. Yeah, no, I, totally. <laughs> like the way I deal with like someone at a grocery store versus someone uh, who I work with versus <laughs> someone who like a family member. It's all honestly, like with anyone, it's all different. Like you're not going to talk to me the same way you talk to your mom. Or do you? And if you do, it's pretty sick, man. Um... Like, if you're always that unfiltered, that's pretty, like, incredible. I understand the need for, like, different levels of... Filtration. Sure. (laughs) But at the same time, I don't like hiding things to, like... I just don't like the idea of being someone who someone... Or being a person that someone wants me to be. Yeah, I know you don't. I just don't think it is a winning situation. a winning formula. Here's a great example. Remember Jamie's Instagram stories this weekend? Oh my God. Carl, did you see them? They are absolutely so, gold. Like, probably one of the funniest stories I've ever seen on anyone's 
Instagram story. Was that when he was drunk at the thing? Yeah. Yes, yes oh I saw them. <laughs> so, <laughs> was it a PTA meeting? No, it was like, what does PAC stand for? Parent something committee? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a fundraiser for their school, basically. Jamie supplies beer. Obviously, he owns a brewery. So I guess like, whatever, a portion of all the, everything spent there goes to the kids. I don't know what they're fundraising for. Anyway, so at the end of the night, Jamie starts doing some Instagram stories. And like the first thing is him going outside and he, and he's like, you want to know a, like a secret for the end of these uh, fundraisers? Always go check if there's any beer left in the keg. <laughs> and he goes outside and like rattles the keg. He's like, oh. See, there's at least 10 liters left in here. <clears throat> Sounds like 30 beers. And then like three stories later, it's just him with like a stupid smirk on his face, dragging the, the keg home. <laughs> on the street. You can hear him dragging a keg middle of the night on the street. Like, it's just so funny. I'm like, did you see him doing the keg stand? Yeah. Him trying to scuttle up the wall to yeah. do a keg stand. And this is a parent mm. meeting. I, it was a fundraiser. Okay. I'm just saying it looks like it was like he was dressed in a suit doing keg stands. It did sound like it got pretty yeah. adventurous there. But my point of this story, or bring this up, is that I saw him today, asked him how his weekend was. We discussed. And he said he's never got more interaction from um, like friends and people on Instagram than his Portugal uh, big trail race. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, this was number two, like by a long shot. So the point of bringing that up was like, sure, being on Instagram, being a, a professional self-employed person, you probably want to filter slightly just so you show like any cli potential clients that are watching you on Instagram, see a professional version of you. Correct. But at the same time, the more you show of yourself, the more your specific demographic likes you and wants to work with you and builds a relationship with you. True. And also by showing yourself in positions like what Jamie did, I think it genuinely builds some sort of awkward trust with people because they feel like they know you. You know, when you watch someone's Instagram all the time, like there's people who, I, who I've never met before that I feel like I know very well just by watching their Instagram stories. And 100%. Like, yeah. That's what, it, that's what social media is so good for, right? It's a, like a 24-7 resume where people can, let's say a client you did a deal with four or five years ago or something you never did a deal with. Watching on Instagram, they feel like they know you before they even meet you. Or they feel like they're super up to date with you, even though you haven't seen them in three years or whatever. I totally agree. I, I, I totally agree. It's so powerful. It's so crazy. So your question being, why the layers? Let's switch the answer to maybe like a way... Not, no, I'm going to stick with my original answer. Like a way to like... It's just more making other people comfortable. It's not so much about myself, right? Like I want them to be... Like you always say, like you always say to me that you think I'm a very social person. And I agree with that. I love people, but I think part of that is how I just want to interact with people. I like to make them feel good. And I think your strongest quality that I have learned of here you. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Ready for the drum roll? No, this is huge. This is something I'm jealous of. Not, not jealous, but like I'm, I don't know, I admire. Is that a good word? I don't know. Maybe that's You've never word. said you admired anything about me before, so I'm very excited. I completely this. disagree. Let's hear it. I admire how your old driver just continues to hit the fairway. Nobody hits the ball straighter than me. It doesn't make any sense. It's fucking hit 10,000 balls, buddy. Hasn't played golf in a year and a half. 
Goes out there on the first tree, tee, pipes it 270 down the middle. I don't miss the fairway. I don't, I don't miss get it. the fairway. I just, the Lord blessed me. I don't know what to tell you guys. Anyway, the thing that I admire about you is, I don't know, just how good you are in social situations. It's crazy. It seems like you're more yourself. You're more outgoing. You're more friendly. You're more funny when there's people around. Yeah. And you know what? Like when it's just me and you sitting, drinking beer, watching golf or something. I'm mediocre at best. Yeah. Not even close. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that honestly ties into exactly what we were just discussing. Like I'm basically being like who other people want. Like like if we're in a social situation at a brewery or something, Mm. like who want the hell wants to be with some guy talking about stock prices? Like I hate that guy in that situation, right? Like talk like someone who's like social and like like lighthearted. Like I think that's a I think that's a good way to be. Also, it helps that I like genuinely like people. That comes across. That's the other thing I was gonna say. That is, um, people can learn from, or like when people watch you, I watch you in social situations. Thanks, buddy. You show genuine care for what other people are saying. It's because... you'll ask questions and their responses you think about, and then you ask another question on top of that. It's because I'm genuinely, insanely interested with how people think. And what people do. People are weird. People are so crazy, man. Yeah. Like how people interpret Mm. things. Even what, like, what people do. Like, if you think of someone who, like, I was golfing with a guy who was an ambulance driver. Like, the shit this guy did every day mm-hmm. was mind-blowing. And, like, he's just like, man, would you leave me the fuck alone? I just want to play golf. I'm like, what's the fastest you've ever been in your life in an ambulance? I'm like, do you ever fuck around and do illegal shit in traffic? He's like, no, we're not supposed to do that. I'm like, has you ever saved a man's life? He's like, every day. I'm like, wow. Like, I asked this guy probably a thousand questions. <laughs> Scott <laughs> <That's> <laughs> probably never wants to play golf with me. He probably sees me on the t-shirt. Like, get me the hell away from that guy. But that's what I mean. Though, like, people's lives are so fascinating, mm-hmm. and I feel like mm-hmm. so many people are living these like little, especially in Vancouver. I'm not shitting on Vancouver, but living these little shells. Mm-hmm. These are my friends. Like, no one ever just makes friends mm-hmm. by like not working with people or in some reason or going to school with them or like being around them. Those are most of your friends, right? People you work with or you have to be surrounded by. It. I like to go like friend searching, like who's interested, like who would I like, would I want to hang out with? How do you do that? Man, honestly, you think that there's a complex like answer to this, but like look at some of the friends I have, like guys who you were like surprised to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And it's just like people who I just like the cut of their jib. Yeah, but where do you find, jib, great word. (laughs) Where are you finding these people? Like literally anywhere, like on this, like, like just like grocery stores, maybe you're golfing with them. Like You were going to say on the street. I was going to say on the street, but like re- realistically, <laughs> like it's like on the street type of situations. Like you can just meet someone, spark up conversation, and then you got to be like, like for there has to be some sort of in, like you, you want to go for beer or you want to go golfing or something like that. You can't just be like, hey man, like do you want to be my friend? Does there have to be some sort of mutual like thing that you like? I think Does there so. have to be something in common? I think so. Because, like, look at who you hang around with. It's people who you have things in common with, right? Or something in common with. You don't hang around with people who you have absolutely nothing in common with. It's interesting conversations, though, when you're very different. It, it, like, you can it's be very different. different conversation. Totally. It's probably a more formal conversation. Well, me and you are very different, but we, like, have things that we like in common. For sure. But I think that there has to be some sort of common ground. For me, traditionally, with people who I've become really good friends with, it happens to be golf. Because I think when you're stuck with some dude for four and a half hours, no matter who they are, <laughs> like that ambulance driver, after the third hole, he wanted to play in a different group. <laughs> Too bad, bud. You're stuck with me for the next three and a half hours. So like you have to, that's why it's so good for business networking. Like I, I've met so many clients who like, I really like working with 
from just golfing with them. Because you really, like, you have to get to know this person. Hmm. It's like if you're sharing a jail cell with someone, it's, like, impossible to not talk to them or ask them questions or learn about their life, you know? Let's say there's 100 layers to Alex. How many come off in a four and a half hour round of golf? Ooh, I like how you went with 100 instead of 10. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say like 65 to 70. Hmm. So I'm going to talk about like a lot of things that are personal. Like, I, like past relationships. Totally. Family. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to find out every past relationship that person's been in. <laughs> it's like your life left you, Greg? But why? Like, were you guys in love? Did you guys have kids? Did your kids love you? You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to find out everything. And honestly, I think that's a great way to build rapport is to kind of overstep boundaries very quickly. I, I, I genuinely think that. Like, if you start asking personal questions that you actually care about the answer, I think that's a great way to build rapport. Artificial conversation, although it's pleasant, does very little. I agree. I feel like you overstepping that boundary makes it so real, right? Because it's the honest truth. Like, Carl, when me and you were driving to see Jordan's family, yep. I was telling you about my stay in the hospital. That was a pretty honest conversation, wasn't it? That was, yeah, no, that was <laughs> and really your girlfriend, honest. That was like my second time meeting Sam. Mm-hmm. And like, she knows like a lot about me. And you know what? I think that made me and Sam closer. I think that made me and you closer. I, for sure. I think like, like overstepping those boundaries of like comfort and social norms. I think that that's a good way to like really build rapport really quickly with people. That was a fun weekend. That was a fun Probably weekend. Probably made our winery visits more enjoyable. Yeah. I, uh, I jumped Even in. in that fucking winery in Unsworth, you were like digging deep into the guy serving us wine. Was it the smaller guy? Yeah. Remember he was Winnipeg? a scuba diver and yeah, he was talking scuba about diving, yeah. jumping into the lake to fix the drain He's got two daughters. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, that was an interesting dude. Yeah, well, like, if you're going to be in a situation with somebody, you might as well find out some stuff about them. And again, artificial conversation. It's pleasant, but it's like, it's cringy. I hate it. It's like, oh my God, did you see the sun today? It's like, yes. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, man. Like, let's talk about some actual things that either of us care about. Do you have any go-tos? Let's say f- awkward first introduction to someone. You're sitting across the table from them at like a mutual friend's birthday dinner or something. So you're stuck with them for like an hour, hour and a half. See, I don't even look at it as being stuck with them. I feel like I'm like blessed to be in a situation where I can find something out about some mm. shit, you know? I don't like to think of it as like being stuck with someone. But honestly, sometimes people tell me to fuck off because like I'm just too like too much too quickly. I don't think they say that. Though. They don't. They may also say it like that, but like you know, like they pull out their phone, and start texting. Like you get you get the hints, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like the best way to open a conversation. What I usually go with is work because I love I love what people do. I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating how different people's lives are is what they do. Like what okay. some person can do, other people like. I was at a client who's a doctor and he's like, I don't get how the hell you deal with this amount of money every day. I'm like, bud, you literally have your hands inside human cavities. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't understand what I do. Like you've held a heart before, like a beating heart. Like I, I think what you do is a bit crazier, you know, but it's just like, he sees what he does is totally normal. Totally. I see what I do is totally normal. And like we all, and it's kind of like the beauty of people. Like we all have different strengths and weaknesses, but like, yeah, some people have some crazy ass jobs. And I feel like that's a great way to open up a conversation with some people. How do you... Except for accountants. Hope Jordan Cahill's listening to that. Mm. I would never want to be an accountant. <laughs> that's <laughs> the only job you never want to do. <laughs> I just couldn't be an accountant, man. Just like crunching numbers all day. Jordan's a great accountant, but I couldn't do his job. He's very good with, with relationships. Yeah, with he's people. good with people, but like the actual accounting part, 
Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's the one job. If someone's like, I'm an accountant. I'm being be like, hey, I already have a friend that's an accountant. I don't need to talk to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, please move me from this table. <laughs> but no, I'd say work is like the best way to open up with someone. That's a great opening way because there's a good chance what they do is a hell of a lot different than what you do. Unless we're hanging out with a bunch of realtors and mortgage brokers. Then it's all pretty much just good shit anyway. So you'll be all right. Realtors are a weird bunch, eh? Man, the one thing I learned about realtors as a mortgage broker in the last three years, the difference between a good realtor and a shit realtor, it's just like there's no job that there's a bigger difference. What's it's the, like what's the number one difference you see? The first thing that sticks out. Well, like just the, like the level of experience and communication, it's shocking. Like to put this into perspective, let's compare this to another job. Let's compare cab drivers, okay? Pretend you had one cab driver who gets you really efficiently to your destination, same fare, just has good conversation. And they just do their job. And pretend you have another cab driver who can't get the car to park, does get at a park, and slams straight into a bus. That is the difference between a good realtor and a bad realtor. It's just like some of them, it's just shocking how quickly like things can be. Like I'm, I'm really against people who are like, you know, I'm buying a million dollar house. I have an aunt who's a realtor, does three deals a year. I'm just going to use her. Like it's not that kind of in- industry, you know? Like you really should, I guess it's the same with what I do though. But like, Sometimes I'm asking realtors for stuff and I'm, it feels like I'm doing their job for them. And then sometimes like people, I deal with people just like such a seemingless, seamless, 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 like way to do a transaction. Anyways, there's a big difference between good realtors and bad realtors. But yeah, hanging out with a bunch of realtors is usually a good time because they are tend to be interesting people. They tend to be people who are very uh, extroverted. Extroverted? Alex made an interesting comment. Alex McFadden. Uh, I was asking him, like, why are not, why aren't there many mortgage brokers doing much on social media? Like, it seems like every single realtor is trying at social media, which is great. Most mortgage brokers don't have social media or like are shit or don't post or whatever. He's like, he, he said, I think the, I think just naturally people that go into real estate are salespeople, are like friendly, are outgoing. Totally. Very, Whatever the word is, I don't know what I'm looking. I for. know what you mean. Sales, like they're 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 out there. They're like the t- yeah. they're social. Whereas mortgage people go into mortgages because they are introverted or like want to sit at a desk most of their day or whatever, whatever. And then it's not the same type of person that would choose. One it's a very them. different type of person. Like <clears throat> most brokers, or at least most decent brokers, are ex bankers, and the bank, like the like a banker mm-hmm. is like, you know, like think of the stereotypical banker, like crunching numbers and like this is the dividend yield of the five-year bond, you know, like stuff like that. Like, (laughs) you know, like it's like not like super interesting people, which honestly makes my job pretty damn easy. Like the bar is so low (laughs) to just be somewhat competent. It's incredible. Like, like people are just shocked because they're used to dealing with bankers. It's like, wow. It's like, you can actually like, like, like enjoy this process. Like, man, I don't want someone getting a mortgage to feel like they're going to the dentist. Like being a dentist must suck. No one ever wants to see you ever. Never someone's like, yeah, can I go to the dentist and get my shit taken care of? And that's what people, people feel with banking. Like, no one wants to go to their bank and, like, deal with this stuff. Like, it, if you can make it just tolerable, I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> so you're saying there's a little bit of a difference between getting financing through a broker and a bank? In a one-word answer. Yes, there's yes, there's a difference. <laughs> and you know what? I can't even shit on the banks because I worked for banks for so long. 
And if I didn't work for banks and get just put through that shithole of a washing machine for five, six years, I don't think I'd be as good at what I do as I am. But man, yeah, going to a bank sucks, dude. It sucks. Like you're sitting there. It's like, you know, it's like cattle going to, to get executed. Like it's just everyone's in a line. No one's talking. It's kind of somber. No one's happy. Smells like feet. Like it's just not a fun place to go. You know? Anyways, I, I like being a broker. Like, I love how. So I've been a broker for two and a half years, and I have a hundred more like friends who are like clients than I did at six years of the bank. Like almost every person I do a deal with, I still message them about something once in a while, just because you know you deal with someone in this huge transaction. I'm sure it's the same with you. And like you know, you know, I end up golfing with a buddy who. Mm-hmm. How do you guys know each other? Oh, I was his mortgage broker in 2017. Now we're whatever. We're going playing golf or grabbing a drink or something. It's pretty cool. Building and relationships is fun. <clears throat> I love building relationships. The longer you get into your career, the harder it is to like stay in contact with people just because as that database grows. I know. But like, I want you to get into this soon. But what we're doing this year is four client events this year. Which seems crazy for most people in our industry. That's literally <clears throat> four times more than I'm doing. Wait, no, unlimited times more than I'm doing. <laughs> I don't think I'm doing any client events this year. Maybe I'll do a client event this year. You have any ideas? But you, yeah, you don't even have to start big, man. It could literally just be an email out to like your database saying, "Hey, uh, I'd love to buy you a beer. I haven't seen you in a while. Come meet me at X place. I'm going to be there from six to eight. Would love to say hi." Like it, it can be so simple. What? And if 15 people show up, amazing. It's 15 people you get to chat with and find out what their job, you know, you know what their job is because you're the I know what their broker. job is. I know what their but credit then, score is. I know how much money they make. <laughs> I, know their, I know everything. I know what their dental records are. No. It doesn't need to be like a fancy, big, organized thing. It's, it's just like the purpose of it is to just connect with people. Totally. And I think Keep I do that more where you guys, obviously, because your database is so big, you guys do it with events where what I do more so is more one-on-one, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, man, like, maybe do you want to go do, like, whatever? It's just not sustainable. I don't, totally. It's completely unrealistic. Mm. But I enjoy the hell of it, so I keep doing it. Have a golf tournament. Start a golf tournament. How fun would that the be? The Alex D'Angelo Open? Yeah. Get 32 people in there, whatever. What it would be so easy to get 30 people in there. Totally. Everyone loves golfing. Some people suck at it, so they don't want to do it. I was talking to a friend of mine who, she's like, yeah, I just like driving the cart. It's like, fucking right. It's drive the cart. Gives a shit. There you go. Get Big Shucker there to serve some oysters. Love Big Shucker. He was on the podcast too. He was. Love Early Big on, Shucker. man. We should have him back. We should. He was good. He's such a fun dude, man. He's just like, he's, such a he's like dude. that whiskey dude. He's like that dude from the Dos Equis commercials. Like the most interesting man <laughs> in the world. Professional, professional oyster shucker. He used to work in the NFL. Like, he used to work with Olympians. And like. And now works in craft beer. And now works in craft. And he has a. Big ass beard drives like a fifties truck, <laughs> like scotch and cigars. Like, who the hell are you, man? Like some sort of superhero of happiness? Like, shit. Some sort of masculine superhero. Yeah, <laughs> guy's dope. Um. Anyway, sorry, I got off topic there. What were we talking about? I don't know what the topic was. Oh, you're talking about uh, client events. I got hmm. two words for you. Yeah. Bouncy castle. We've had bouncy castle. Really? Yeah, I had to present. Oh, for kids. Well, I went in the bouncy castle. I'm sure Jamie would be like all over that. At the end of the night, probably, yeah. Dragging his keg into the bouncy <laughs> castle. God, that guy's funny. Like, he literally is like, one of the funniest people I've ever met. 
Yeah. Anyways. It's a different perspective on oh, life, isn't it? so interesting. He's <laughs> another dude who's just interesting. He just goes by the beat of his own drum. Has he always been like that? Yeah, 100%. He just goes by the always. beat of his own drum. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do today? I'm going to run 120 kilometers. Okay. What are you going to do today? I'm going to start a brewery. Like, he just does his own shit. I love it. Mm-hmm. Love having people like that in my life. There's no fear. No fear at That's all. That's a cool way to live your life, eh? Yeah. Like, I always fear, like, my biggest fear in life is the, like, the emotion or feeling of regret. Like, mm-hmm. I wish I, I should have or I could have. I hate that feeling because in one side, it's like, it feels shitty. But then in the second, like, on the other hand, it, like, kind of kicks in, like, how real time is. Like, time is something that you just can't get back. So if you ever regret, like, I wish time would have been different, like, that's a shitty feeling to have. So now I'm really trying to not waste any more days, especially in the last six months. Like, I would really change my mindset to, like, really try, like, put myself in uncomfortable situations, do stuff I, I feel awkward doing. Like, so many people are so worried. It's mostly shitty people, if I'm honest, but they're so worried about how other people perceive them. Is that a bad thing to say? No, you know I like talking about that. Yeah, like <clears throat> like people, like shitty people, like they're, they're they're more worried about how others perceive them than their own happiness, which I think is a really messed up way. Because I think Gary Vee talks about it so much. Like life is so temporary. When you start doing things for other people instead of yourself, it's a very bad strategy. Because you get to seventy years old, and you're like looking forward to death because you've just been such a shit person for so many decades. So I'm trying to avoid that happening to myself. It's interesting for a young person like you, to, though, you're 30, to already fear regret. Well, right? Danny, like most people don't think about it until they're like 50, 60. That's, you know why? It's because I had a pretty significant health scare in September. Mm-hmm. You know, saw the white light there and I was like, fuck that, not doing that. So like that really, honestly, that changed everything. It changed my career, changed how I interact with my family, changed how I interact with my friends, changed how I interact with my dog, changed like how I view romantic relationships. It changed everything. And honestly, like, I think it's kind of a blessing for that to happen. Like people who face some sort of like serious adversity, they tend to come out stronger. And mine was like something like pretty serious health related. But then like, like you just become so much more like grateful. Do you think that's actually true? A hundred percent. No, 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 no. Backtrack. Do you think it's actually true that people that face adversity come out stronger? hundred percent. Because I think most people do not. Who face adversity? Correct. I no. think most people crumble. I think it's like. Okay, let's say overcome adversity. Okay, that's much better. Yeah, if you overcome adversity, you. But everyone faces adversity every single day of their life. But why are so many people so unhappy? Is because they're unwilling to face or they're scared of the outcome of pushing forward kind of thing, right? Like, yeah. why do people so many, why do so many people hate their jobs? They're scared to quit they're scared to try something different they're scared to go off on their own totally but honestly you can't really fault like you can't fault that too much because like fear i think is normal like people like to be comfortable it is normal but But i I just don't like when people complain about it when they're not doing anything to change it i just want to be careful about saying adversity equals overcoming Okay, right, yeah, like, right. I yeah. think the overcoming yeah. part is extremely small. So my adversity was almost dying. Overcoming was not dying. So that worked in my favor. But yeah, if I would have died, obviously it wouldn't have been as good. But I hear what you're saying. Like not over, like making excuses or complaining or just basically shying away from challenges. It's, it's not going to help. But people who face like real shit and they come out of it, like 
they're always stronger. Like whether it be like you were in like an abusive relationship, like like or whether it been like you were like had a shit job, like any sort of adversity. Well, people might hate hearing that one, but any sort of adversity in some way makes you stronger. I really do believe that. And like I like learned that firsthand. So back to what we we're saying, I think that's why I I'm more like gracious. Again, like I want to clarify because most I find that a lot of people think when something bad happens, it's always like why did this shit happen to me? It's so unlucky. Like, this is so unfair. Whereas it seems like you're taking it the other way and saying like, fuck, this is a great learning experience. I need to push forward. Right. That's exactly right. So that, uh, to me, that mindset is rare. Mm, yeah. I think that my, well, like, you know how, like, I learned this in psychology 101. People who, when something bad happens to them, they blame the outside environment. But when something good happens, they blame themselves. Like, Isn't I, that I, the most common way to think, though? That's you know, that's uh, psychology 101. So, yeah, I guess it is very common. But I try, like, I remember hearing that and trying not to be like that. Like, I know you were huge on, like, owning everything, even things that are clearly not your problem. I'm the opposite, though. You, like, when something bad happens, I'm like, yeah, fuck, that was my fault. When yeah, something no, good happens, I was like, oh, shit, I got really lucky. Right, and, like, it's worked out pretty well for you. So, like, I think that's a good, good way to, I think that's a good way to think, man. Because, like, I, like, one huge thing I, I'm really against is excuses. People have excuses for fucking everything. Everything, man. There's always an excuse why I didn't do this for some reason. Like, I think that taking ownership is really important because if you like don't make excuses and you hold yourself accountable, ultimately it's up to you to make things better. And also if you fuck up, that's on you. And if you do good things, like you can be like, yeah, like, I worked hard to do this. I think this is going to get pretty deep here. I think the fundamental two building blocks of happiness for human beings is one is gratitude, like appreciating everything and not taking anything for granted, whether it be, you know, a glass of scotch, uh, a, a day at the beach. Like, if you take nothing for granted, mm -hmm. that's really good step number one. Mm -hmm. Step number two is self-awareness. How aware are you about who you are how you operate, how you think, how you appreciate things, what you love, what you like. That's super important for happiness. Those two things, everything else in life builds off those two things. How do you get to those two things? Man, fuck it, I have no clue. Especially growing up in Greater Vancouver, we're very, very privileged, right? We totally. live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. A lot of us that grew up here are like middle class or above. Mm -hmm. Grew up wealthy. Your parents are buying you cars and shit like that that 99% of the world doesn't have. I don't know who the fuck bought you a car, but no one, no one bought me a car, but like a lot of people I know got bought cars. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. <clears throat> no one bought me a fucking car. <laughs> was, my first job was working ten dollars an hour, bought a seventy five hundred dollar car. That's seven hundred and fifty hours of work, man. It's a lot of fucking hours of the driving range. Um yeah, that was a terrible oh, what a terrible way to spend seventy five hundred dollars. That was like a year's salary for me I spent on a shitty accord or integra. Anyways. Um, yeah, we are privileged, but also like how often do you hear people complaining still? They live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. No, but that's what I'm saying is it's how like, do you overcome that being growing up in such a entitled area of the world? I, cause I agree. You said what? Self-awareness and gratitude, my gratitude. Friend. But how do you learn those things when you grow up very privileged? Like, okay, your family was not super well off, but very middle class, grew up in a great neighborhood in Burnaby. Totally. Had all the opportunities in the world. Uh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Your mom is a great cook. She makes a delicious pasta. My dad's also a everything. great cook. Yeah. Like my sister's a great person. My brother is an amazing human. Fucking breaded cauliflower his mom makes. Oh, deep fried cauliflower, man. Unbelievable. Fuck. Brynn's a goddamn saint. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about her. Anyways, um, I don't know, man. Maybe good parenting. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how you get to those stages, but if I could tell anyone, like one piece of advice is to try to figure those two parts out. I don't know. For me, I feel like I always had those like 10%, but after September, after those health scares, it went up to like 90%, both those two things. Hmm. It was a real, like, you almost kissed the train. Like you're really grateful that you didn't. Like it's a totally different way of seeing the world. Like every day is totally, it's just very different. Hmm. Like, especially in the gratitude part. Cause you're just like anything you can, anything that we have, we cannot have very quickly. And that's, you know, what's fucking crazy. That's what, you know, I'm a fan of old people. No one loves old people as much as I love old people. <laughs> um, and I mean like old people, like, like geriatrics and they are telling us all the secrets of the world, like, like younger generations. And we're just not listening. Like if you sit down to it with an old person and talk to them for an hour, they'll tell you some really important shit. Like, you got to do this. And I think maybe part of it was me working at a driving range as a kid. All these old guys were coming in all the time like, dude, this is the best job you're going to ever have. This is the most fun you're going to ever have working. And I look back, like working at a driving range with all my best friends. That was pretty fun. I don't know if that's true. Well, maybe. maybe that seems like such a negative outlook on life, man. Okay, if some okay. old dude is telling you okay, that. Well, let me give you a different example then. I'm just I, trying to say. I f- see, I fucking hate that. When people tell you, this, these are the greatest years of your life, man. Enjoy your high school. Such bullshit. Fuck you. Make your life whatever you want it to be. You're 16 years old. How is that the fucking possible best part of your life? It doesn't, it literally makes no sense. Okay. Well, maybe what they're trying to say is, I hope you appreciate, even though you're making $10 an hour and like you can literally barely buy like a case of beer, like enjoy these times because I think there's beauty in enjoying different stages of life. Just like how. Being like, what are you enjoying? So. Can we talk about that specifically? Everyone says high school, like all these old people say high school is the best time of your life or being a teenager is the best time. You know, of your I have life. a family group chat and I just said the exact same thing you're about to say. I said, I, th- you know how people always complain about how hard being an adult is? It's fucking awesome. It's really cool. You is it just go- the being naive as a kid? I think you it's- You don't really understand? I think all- it's that they, what they're jealous of is like the innocence of how the world is. Like you don't know about like murder and rape and disease and war and like- mm these really shitty things in the world. Yeah. As a kid, you're just like, I'm going to see if I can ride this bike so fast and hit this bump so hard. I get airborne. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, that's a great idea, bud. Like I totally see that. And I think one part of me is like, I'm kind of still a bit childish today, but like those childish, like innocence, like that is a great way to see the world. And like, that's what's kind of sucks now with one bad part of social media. I know you love social media is how decent. I how- said I love it. Okay. Well, you're a fan of social media. I think there's a lot of opportunity on social media. Okay. One downside of social media is how quickly and how much content kids are given and it desensitizes them. Like you see kids now they are 10 years old doing shit a lot different than 10 year olds did even, even 15, 20 years ago. Like the world now is very different. And it's like, you almost want to just hold on to that stage of like kids of like who they were or like, yeah, man, play with your GI Joes and whatever ride your bike and play soccer don't worry about makeup or you know mm-hmm. fucking vaping wherever kids do these days sorry uh do kids vape a lot these days okay don't worry about vaping and stuff like you know do like kids stuff right because this is how i kind of think about it like life if you think about it as like some people have their favorite season of the year like i know you love summer you love the warmth 
some people love spring. It's really fresh. It's really, there's a lot of good things about spring. Like, but then some people will like be like, well, I fucking hate the winter. I hate the fall. It's dark. It's cold. I hate the summer. It's too hot. I'm sticky all the time. You know what I mean? But like, if you love the different stages of your life, the same way, like you love all the seasons, you have to find happiness in every different, in the difference of each one of them. You know what I mean? Agree. Like you can't, you have to find like happiness in being 10 and you have to find happiness in being 30. Honestly, I can't wait to be 80 years old. I think it's gonna be hilarious. Fucking no turning signals for me. Like I'm just gonna do, it's gonna be a crap shoot when I'm driving. Like I'm gonna be messing with people all the time. I'm gonna steal little chocolates and just pretend I don't know what I'm doing. Have you actually thought about that? Yeah, all the time. You think about loving to be 80? Yes, I love old people and I think it's gonna be amazing. Other ages or just 80? No, just just old as hell. Like that's where I kind of like classify old as hell. What do you look forward to at 80? I think just not giving a shit about anything anymore, but still having money to do stuff I want to do. But why isn't, why isn't that happening today? Oh, I, I very much enjoy being 30. But being 80, like, you have so much more knowledge. Like, if I keep getting smarter on the same trajectory that I have for the last 30 years, imagine how smart I'm going to be at 90. Like, I'm going to know everything. I'm going to play Jeopardy and smoke everyone. But isn't the fun part learning? Isn't the fun part, like... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all those mistakes along the way that you're like, oh shit, that's right. I can do that. Yeah, it is. I, I, I enjoy learning a lot. As you know, I like to read and listen to podcasts and just, it's like just taking any sort of thing that, that helps me learn. But I think it'd be cool to kind of know a lot and also like have like old people seem like wise to me, you know, like they say things that are kind of like make you think this whole, the whole thing started is like the secret to life is with old ass people. and We should listen to them more seriously. They have good. I don't disagree with that. I just think, like, um, not just work. You need though. to take it with a grain of salt. Like, you need to. <clears throat> yeah, times are different. Understand that <laughs> their visions are skewed based on the time that they grew up in. Totally, right? but the fundamental ideas are still very much the same. Some of them. The base ideas. Some of them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like old people. <laughs> they bring me happiness. Do you think about retirement? Yeah, all the time. All the time. Like I love, I love like, working. What about it? Oh man, when I was like 22, my idea of retirement, as you know, my mom's from a small town in like Northern Nova Scotia, yeah. very small town, mm-hmm. simple place. And like, I always thought retirement would be so fun. Just when I was this like younger, I wanted to just have two things. I wanted to have a riding lawnmower mm. and I just wanted to drink dark rum all day, just on my lawnmower, just waving at people, just cutting the grass mm. over and over again. I thought that was the definition of retirement. Cut my grass every day on a riding lawnmower and have a little sippy of dark rum. And like now as I get older, it gets a little bit more complex. What are you up to with the grass that's fucking growing that much and you need to cut it every day? I just like the idea of like riding a very small tractor. Oh, so it's just the enjoyment. It's, yeah. There's yeah. no function. Involved. Well, like, like you could like do like in the winter, you can put like a little snow plow on it or <laughs> move some rocks around or something. But like, yeah, just having like a really small tractor. Uh, I think that'd be a ton of fun. Like, uh, it's like simple. Like, I like the simple, like the simplicity of retirement. I'm not having to worry mm-hmm. about like, the things that some people have to worry about now. Like you don't have any mortgage payments anymore. You don't have, you know, to worry about raising kids. Like you've done it all and now you can just really enjoy yourself. Like just, I'll just hit golf balls into a lake all day. Does that stuff stress you out? Mortgage payments? No, no, no. You talking about like simplifying life. So like you mentioned mortgage payment. <clears throat> does that stress you? Uh, wait, sorry. I'm not understanding the question. You mean like does simplifying life? So you say life? like <clears throat> what you're looking forward to in retirement is simplicity and the 
one example you gave was not having to worry about mortgage payments. So does that kind of stuff, mortgage payments, whatever stresses that are in your life now that maybe would go away when you retire or when you're older, does that stress you out? Does the, those current things stress me out, having them currently, you mean? Yeah. So let's say mortgage payments, let's just change that to adult responsibilities. Do adult responsibilities stress me out? Not really, but I think that when you're old, you kind of almost go back to a stage of like being like pre-18, just not having to worry about anything. Everything's taken care of now, you know? I think, I think there's peace and solace in that. Doesn't everything get harder? Well, you're dying, which sucks, but when like... you're 80... Okay, so think about going to the grocery store right now. You're just like, oh, shit, I need to go to the grocery store. Whereas when you're 80, it's a full day event. You have to take an entire day of your life. Why? It takes, well, it takes like 14 to 15 minutes to put your pants on in the morning. Dude, I'm not talking like dying. Like, I'm talking <laughs> like like 80, like like Dick Van Dyke 80, still dancing and stuff, you know? Not like, like yeah, I don't want to be in a retirement home, but I want to be have my life taken care of. Like, I, I look forward to that, like a simple life. I'm a simple dude. Like, I'm super simple. I like very simple things. And like, I look forward to being able to enjoy that simplicity. But why can't you live? Like, I'm, so what I'm trying to understand. Why is, can't you do it now? Why, why isn't, like, why not live that way now? What, what is unsimple about the way that you're living now that stresses you out or that you would like to see get less? Well, it's not so much that. It's more that I think back to what I was saying before is like enjoying the different stages of your life. Like now is a stage, like now I'm in the spring of my life and there's stuff you do in spring, like, you know, plant flowers and stuff like that, that you're not going to be doing the dead of winter. Like, you know what I mean? Like enjoying the different stages is important. Mm -hmm. So I think enjoying being a people who regret a stage or not, don't look forward to a stage. Again, I don't think they're being one grateful of like the fact that they're being able to enjoy this part of their life. And two, it's just kind of like a bad strategy for happiness, regretting something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can't, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to work for the next 30 years. Like, that's a shit way. Like, to look forward to those years being over is not a good idea. Just to kind of enjoy every step, I think is the best strategy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say when I am looking forward to being 80. I'm also looking forward to being 40. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to being 60. Like, every stage is going to be good. Knock on wood, I don't fucking die, man, but like... <laughs> I think everything's going to be good. And you consciously think about how your life is going to look different at different stages, mm-hmm. at different ages. Self-awareness. That's so interesting. Yeah. Got to be. Uh, Have you ever thought about that? But it, it will, though, because of your experiences that you carry with well, you, right? It's going to shape you and all that changes. You're not going to be the exact same person. No, I agree. I think you totally keep growing. Can you drink some of that? Because contrary to what you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is my favorite scotch of all time. What is it? That I've Nikki? currently had. This is Nika Coffee Green. It's an un. It's not Scotch, sorry. It's a unbelievable Japanese, Japanese whiskey. whiskey. Yeah, my favorite one. This is your favorite. This is my favorite. Uh, I'd say there's three up there that are borderline favorites, and this is one of them. But the Japanese ones are your favorite. Japanese for the price point is better than Scotch to me. It's smoother. Like That's I think a bold this ass is ninety bucks. It's a bold-ass statement. To get a scotch that is that good, like that uh, Belvini 14 up there, that I think that's 129 and this, I think, is 90 Yeah, it's, it's To delicious. me, they're on par. Is it smoky? No. Uh, no, no. Do you want to try it? I'm good. I have a weakness for, like, scotch and, like, good whiskeys. Like, I really think they're the most delicious things that the good Lord has ever put on this planet. Like, I think, like, it's, like, as good as it gets. It's like drinking angel tears. It just tastes amazing complex but does it taste amazing or do you get to a point 
after drinking a lot of it. Huh. Oh, Carl. <laughs> no, I think it tastes amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you give that to a kid, right? It's going to yeah. spit it out, right? It's not a... Well, kids are pretty fucking shit palates. For sure. You, right? But even most chicken adults... Chicken nuggets and ketchup, really? Like, come on, bud. You remember the first beer you ever had? Yeah, Molson Canadian. Molson Canadian? Okay. Really? I thought it was amazing. Really, eh? Maybe, but I'm, I'm, I'm like half Italian, half Nova Scotian, so I'm pretty predisposed to liking alcohol. How old were you? How old were you? When I first had my first sip of beer ever? First beer. First full beer? Yeah, full beer. Well, Burn, my mom, when she used to watch Hockey Night in Canada... She'd always like give me like this last little part of her beer, like probably one warm, shot. foamy shit. That's just, <laughs> it, was, it was Coors Light too. <laughs> Seriously, but for some reason, I don't know, man. Maybe it's the scarcity of having it, but like I enjoyed it. Maybe she was trying to scare you off of it. First full beer, how old? Uh, Do you remember the exact? It was day? a Molson Canadian. Me and my good friend Dash, we, I'd say probably thirteen or fourteen. I had my first beer. On Vinny's bachelor party, I think. I think it was Vinny. I think it was 15. What's anyway? The, what's the point of the question, though? Like what? No, I don't know. We're just talking about beer. Uh, someone gave me a Budweiser on his bachelor party, and it was fucking disgusting. Really? Oh, I could. I drank like half of it. And I'm like, oh, I, can, I'm, I can't. I was totally the opposite. I thought it was like the most <clears throat> amazing tasting thing ever. And it was, it was a Molson Canadian. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was, yeah, I always thought beer, I've always thought beer tasted good. I thought it was gross. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a good segue. Where's the segue going, Alex? Mm, What was the thing that you taught? You asked me last night, what's one of the things I wanted to talk about? Company, but let's, hold on. You've mentioned a lot of my company? You mentioned a lot of times what happened in September. Why don't you talk about that? Like, basically, I just, like, had a health scare. And I was in the ER for, like, four days. And... Did you see it coming? Like, looking back... No. There was no physical symptoms at all leading up to it? No. It was just, like, like a sudden thing. And then... Like, honestly, when I went to the ER, I thought I was going to be going that... Like, leaving in, like, 20 minutes. I thought they were going to give me, like, a pill or something. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, yeah, you're going to be here for like three or four days. I was just like, shit. And then like also the whole experience, like the ER is a fucking crazy place. It is mental. There's people dying around you. There's people screaming. Like I was on a bit of drugs and I was going around at night looking at people's like charts, literally just like, what is wrong with this guy? Like there is some crazy <laughs> shit, man. Some old Are lady. Are you allowed to do that? Uh, I don't know. No, they sent me back to my bed. So not allowed to do that. <laughs> but I saw like an 80 year old lady punch a police officer. I, like it just it's insane it's just like I, I i have nothing but respect for the nurses of the er if there's one person in this world i respect er nurses but uh so th- i think that kind of changed me a bit but more so like the whole like really realizing like how fragile life is mm-hmm. and like that really puts you like gratitude like you have no idea how much gratitude you have like it's crazy to think about because when you, you're sitting there and thinking of all the things like you kind of wish you would have done, it's like a very sobering moment. Like it's very much like you. Wow. At, so at thirty years of age, you were sitting there thinking of things you would have done. Yeah, should have done. Yeah, I was pissed like off. What? Well, my dad's from a town just outside Rome. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how have I never been? How have I never been to where my dad's from? Like I've spent my whole life going back to Nova Scotia and back because it's I guess it's closer and a bit. We should go. Yeah, like I'm. Let's September. fucking do it. Let's when? do it. I don't care. I'll I'll go anytime. I okay, I September, need to go. We're going. Two weeks. 
I want to, you can go come for two weeks. I'm going for a month. I'm going to go there. Okay. The first I'm thing I'm going to do weeks. is I'm going to go to a winery. I'm going to get a big ass barrel of red wine. It's going to cost like 150 euros. Then I'm going to go to the mountains and get a whole leg of prosciutto and my own little carving knife. I'm going to make the most epic charcuterie board. I'm going to watch soccer nonstop and just eat and just enjoy my life. Can't wait. I've been thinking about this like almost every day since I've been out of the hospital. If you don't want to do that, fine. That's, but like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to ride a donkey. Well, I don't know if I just want to sit in the mountains for two weeks. But no, no, we won't. We'll do I would stuff. like to drink wine yeah, and a explore. Barrel? Totally. I cannot wait. That is, that is not, and like, I'd love to go, like, I'm a, obviously, you know, I'm a huge soccer guy, like, my whole life. I would love to go to, like, Europe and watch some, like, English matches, some Italian matches, like, go to Germany, like, just taking, like, different cultures. Like, I travel. probably go, if I, go, I think the max I would be able to go in the fall for it was for two weeks. If I went for two weeks in the fall. Can we be in like Italy for one week and then explore other than yeah. one week? Like I like I'm the easiest. go to England for two nights. Totally, I would love to go to Croatia. Croatia is like very high up in where I want. I'm to like the right easiest now. going dude in the world, man. I'll do anything. Like it's Barcelona like, hey, man, was stupid. Cool I'll go, to you. Yeah, and like every place I go, all I can think like name any city in in Europe. Go right now. Brussels, Brussels. <laughs> the fuck is that? Belgium. Yeah. I guess I'd go eat a bunch of waffles. My point is, every city I have a food that I want to eat if I'm there. Are you surprised that I surprised you? Yeah, man. I honestly <laughs> did not see that coming. I thought you were going to say Paris. I was going to be like, cheese! But like, you're like... I've heard Paris is overrated, so that would never come to mind. Anyways, any city you can think of, like, there's a food that I want to... Even in North America, there's a food I want to go to that city and I want to eat there. Hmm. Sorrento. Uh, I'd probably be some sort of seafood. Poland. Right on the bay. Poland? Poland's a country. Oh, buddy. If it, like, go to Warsaw, Poland, mm-hmm. I'd fuck with borscht. Okay. And I'd fuck with pierogies really now hard. we're talking. And, like, with the pierogies, I am not going to go. They make stupid good sausage, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not going there to diet. Like, I'm dipping those in butter. <laughs> I'm coming back, like, you cut me, there's butter coming out. What do the Polacks drink most, vodka? Oh, vodka. You can't say that. <laughs> what? Isn't he, like, half Polish? Oh. I am half Polish. No, oh. I know vodka, but like, is there something else? Do they drink a lot of wine? The fact I don't Polak or what? He's worried about your derogatory statement towards my people. What? Polak? Yeah, it's a bad one, man. I'm Polish. Okay, I guess you can say it. I didn't know this. <laughs> you see me he's got the, he's so got the pass. Yeah. I was like, my eyes are like, holy fuck. Anyways, cool. Can I not say that? I don't know. Did we struggle? I don't know. I have to you look have Polish history. people? I guess we weren't a country for a Your bit. Your whole country was killed by the Nazis, man. It was taken over in like three days. It happens. <laughs> yeah, spades. How is that? Sorry, I don't understand how that's derogatory. Pol- Polak's like, a, it's a derogatory term for Polish. It's just the short version of Polish. Mm-mm. It's Pol. They call us Poles. It's like calling that's a short Polak's form. is derogatory, man. Yeah. Like it's like t- t- calling an Italian person like a WAP. Or like, obviously there's some other words for races that are bad too that you shouldn't say, but Polak like is on cake? that list. That's what all the... Manja cake's for white people. Yeah, that's yeah. what all the Italians call me. Yeah. What? <laughs> Manja cake. I've never heard it that. It just means eat cake, just uh, for like white people. Gotcha. I don't know, it makes no sense. And it's not even that derogatory, it's more that's of a Italians call white people. Anyways, I don't want to go down this word of like racism, because remember I said at the beginning? Sorry, I like, wouldn't no know what that, that was like derogatory. It's okay, Carl, just edit it out. No, this is staying. <laughs> okay. This is learning experience. Yeah, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know. Second of all, I'm 50% Polish. Okay, so. fair enough. You're good. I'm good. You're, good. You're asking me about I alcohol? I fucking love pierogies, man. I'll eat pierogies all day. You yeah. know what's good? Big uh, moonshine, like Polish moons, moonshine from like plums, plums and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Plums. Huge. And people just make it in their own houses. 
yeah so i, I as have much you as... ever made that are your parents or no but i've had some good yeah good stuff. it's like 60 percent. you've been to poland a few times right uh three times yeah i think i'm going back fourth time this may that's right yeah so along that's with awesome. eating i'd like to drink something in every place i go 100 percent. i love eating and drinking like what is italy famous for wine and limoncello no man <laughs> fucking limoncello talking about lick like booze yeah wine Okay, obviously. so let's go, like, what kind of wine? Like, so there's some pretty nice wines from Italy. Well, there's lots, yeah. yeah. Wine. Okay. Red wine, mostly, right? Yeah, red wine. Actually, there's some good white wines from Italy. But, yeah, red wines and fucking art. Like, cars. So I was talking about, well, I'm... Oh, just food and booze? booze? Yeah. Okay, so, like, so for booze, yeah, red wine would be the most. Food is easy. Yeah. Pasta. <laughs> Pizzas from Naples. Seafood, Yeah. Lots of, lots. I, 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 I'd go and eat everything. I'd come back 300 pounds. Wait, you've never been to Italy? Never. Top three cities to visit in Italy. Go. What do you mean? I've never been there. I just said that. Yeah, but you said you have a list of where you want to oh, go. Oh, yeah, totally. So I'd go to. Where you want to go? Well, I want to go to Rome just because that's where my family's from. It's just outside mm-hmm. Rome. So I'd love what to go to Rome. What are you going to do in Rome, though? Fucking eat pizza and watch Roma play. Like, Are you going to do all the touristy shit or no? No. Not at all. I'm gonna you don't want to see the Coliseum? It's pretty cool. No. I'll take a picture and I can look at a picture of that. I'll bring you go to Vatican? Mm, I think honestly, on the I went there one time and I would love to go back. I would want to appreciate it more. It was so much more spectacular than I even imagined it could possibly be. It was so, it was dumb. I think it's crazy. Like to you, about- you don't understand how crazy like St. Peter's Basilica by itself is like the most ridiculous architecture of all. Yeah. Like it's, old, it's old dumb. shit is crazy, man. Like it's something like some of those places in like the fact, like in Rome, for example, like the Colosseum, like, hundreds and hundreds of years old but it's half broken down st Peter, P- peter's basilica is like stunning still yeah it's how old the, is it it's owned by the church of course I, of that. course yeah um it's, yes it's very very old i would like to so i'd like to go to rome i'd like to go to naples because or napoli because that's like the birthplace of pizza i think it's the most like that is my number one food in the world is like a, like that style of pizza mm-hmm. and i feel like whew, number three would probably be like somewhere like I'd like to go to Florenzi, Florence. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't go there. One of my three favorite places in the world. No, in Italy. Let's hear them. Uh, probably number one. I can't pick one, two, three, but I'm going to say the top three. Rome was there, and I'm going to bring in the Vatican City to Rome because it's very close. Okay. Sorrento was super cool, and Amalfi Coast was pretty cool. Yeah. Only, I think I went to two or three. No, no, no. Cinque Terre is the other one on on the other side. <clears throat> Amalfi Coast was better. It was very cool. Amalfi Coast is somewhere I could go and stay 10 days. Like, there's really cool restaurants and hotels, and it's on this, like, crazy cliff. Yeah. And to walk to the beach, you walk down, like, 400 steps to the beach. Like, it's crazy. I just, when you're saying these things, like, I'm picturing in my head, and all I can think about is how I just want to eat everything. I just want to eat everything. The food is is so good. (sighs) It's crazy. You go to, like, some little random restaurant on the corner that, like, looks like a hole in the wall, and there's four seats inside and a patio on the street, uh, literally on the cobblestone street that is like 12 seats 
and you go in there and order a pizza and it is literally the best thing you've ever had in your entire life. It's because of, man, the culture is so different. North America, it's all about all these fucking sauces yeah. and about how like quantity it's over simple, quality. Totally. Simple and good ingredients is the mm-hmm. way to go. I love it. Like look at like anything, like the, 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 the like pastas of Rome, like look at it, uh, carbonara, four ingredients. And this whole thing is one of the most like amazing dishes to ever be produced mm-hmm. by mankind. In my humble opinion. Done well. Done well. Like, why do we need all these, like, 100... It's done so shitty in a lot of places. I, be- I believe it. I believe it. Anyways, I'd like to go to... Yeah, I'd like to go to Italy. That's, like... Th- that's one of the things I was thinking about when I thought I was going to die. I wish I would have gone to Italy. Can we go? September? Yeah, man. Fuck it down, man. I'm, just, I'm super down to go. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, like, like I'm, I'm in. Because I will not ever be in a point where I think I'm dying again and have that same amount of regret. I hated it. I don't ever want to feel like that again. Okay, can we go back to that? Okay. Because we really took a big sidetrack there. That's on, that's on you, player, man. That was on you. <laughs> so, so yeah, I came basically up, what we that. started with was September. September 21st, ended the hospital. Came up out of nowhere. September 25th, I'm out of the hospital. You thought you were going to be in there for 20 minutes. They told you it was going to be three or four days. You really appreciate ER nurses. Yeah. You saw some crazy shit. It's crazy. Fucked with some people's charts. And I, didn't, I didn't fuck with hospital. them. I just, I just looked at them. I wasn't okay. changing anyone's Next. medication. <laughs> uh, so I got out. Uh, the recovery was like a couple weeks. And man, seriously, like talk about self-reflection. Holy shit. Like you really look back on things. Like it just, it just, it's the best thing that could happen to anyone. I'm telling you. While in hospital, you're doing this? No. When I got out, I spent yeah. the next week at my parents' place because they live just down the street from you. So I was just like kind of bedridden. Can you, can we get to that in a second? Sure. Can you just explain a little more like what the hospital experience was like? Okay. So like for me personally, like yeah. my experience. So first of all, I think it's outrageous how long an ER wait is. Like I think like I'm basically, <laughs> it so, it's so silly. I'm like, I feel like I'm dying. Right. I feel like I'm being sawed in half and I'm there for three hours and it feels like the longest three hours of my entire life. It felt like three days. Mm-hmm. And just when I was about to go in, I told this to Carl. I was the next person in line. I'm just like, oh, they're going to give me some painkillers. By the way, shout out to painkillers. Fuck. <laughs> Holy smoke. I've never like, done like, drugs like that in my life. And those things, they work. Um, what did they give you? They gave me hydromorphine. It felt like someone putting a warm blanket that? on you when you're on fire. It's fucking is that? crazy. Is that? It's, like, it's an opiate. It's like heroin. It's higher than T3. Yeah, bro. Like well, I don't a, know, man. It's like heroin. It's, no it's, like, it's, like, it's like a powerful opiate. So it's like morphine. It's morphine. So what's higher than T three? T three is just Tylenol with codeine in it. I know. Isn't isn't there another one? Are you talking about like Percocets and Oxycontins here? Oxycontin. That's so what those are of. also on the same wavelength as, as what you as morphine. Those are opiates. They're they're ba- the, the same. Like heroin's an opiate. Uh, fentanyl's an opiate. Oxycontin's an opiate. Mm. Morphine's an opiate. It's whatever the fuck it does. It just makes you feel nothing on your body. So my suggestion to everyone is to not do those because they feel fucking great. Um, especially when you th- it feels like you're being cut in half and all of a sudden they just put one needle in you and all of a sudden your body feels totally fine. Have you had fuck. any of those before? No, no, no. <clears throat> so that was the first time? Yeah. <clears throat> is that fucked up? Yeah, I told, in that moment, I totally got why people why it's have drug problems. Yeah. Like, I totally get it. Like, you feel like you're on fire, and it just feels like someone's putting, like, extinguishing the fire. I watched within, within three seconds. It's just like, holy, this, this is lovely. I've been in pain, like, excruciating pain. The reason I went to the ER was because I was losing consciousness from the pain I was going through. 
And then if someone just put that out like that, holy shit, those things are effective. I was watching some uh, documentary on Netflix recently. It was called something like, I don't know. It was like a drug scene in the U.S. So it was like okay. explaining how drugs come into the U.S. and like how they're distributed and like the tracks that they go through. It was pretty cool. <clears throat> they were talking to like a few people in Miami who are heroin addicts. And the one thing someone's, uh, one of the women on there said that was like stuck with me was the first time she used an opiate, it was like this crazy euphoric body high it's like 10 they say it's like ten thousand orgasms and every single day all she's doing is trying to chase that same feeling yeah she's like it's never been the same since i'm assuming it's never going to get the same but all i'm trying to do is try to get to that feeling again because it was the most amazing feeling i've ever felt in my entire life i feel like we're going down a weird avenue here but i gotta say like i gotta agree with her like it feels really nice to Mm -hmm. be on heavy drugs like it's a great feeling um that's why like after that moment i knew like, I'm never going to touch a drug like that. Like, fuck that stuff. Like, I could totally see how that could ruin mm-hmm. your life. Because it feels like, like something like I've never felt before, especially coming off that much pain. Anyways, to say, so the drug part, that was one part of the hospital experience. Can like, we, can you try to explain that a little more? Because I'm assuming that most of our listeners are not heroin addicts. Well, fuck, God willing, man, that would be a shit. I don't, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming. Let's say, like... Most people out there have experienced three or four whiskeys or like six beers or it's something not, like you, that. You can't compare it to liquor. It's, you can't do it. Can you, ju- like, can you just give me some sort of definition of how they're different? Because um, after you have like, there's obviously a deep end that you like get to this apex for liquor and it just goes straight downhill and you feel like you're going to throw up. But like three whiskeys for me is just like super mellow feel very chill. Dude, it's, I feel it's like totally, very myself. It's totally un- uncomparable. Like the, the, in terms of strength, it's totally like, it feels like your body doesn't even exist and you're just a brain with two eyeballs looking around. Like there's nothing, like there's nothing. You don't even feel anything. You don't even feel anything. It feels like your whole body does not, like physically does not exist. So why is that desirable? Though? I don't fucking know. Because it's, people walk around like, like you said, like the whole pain thing, right? Like so many people are just in pain from just not taking care of themselves or whatever, right? So just anything to have that go away is, is going to be so addictive. Yeah, I felt like I was on the, fire and it's like mm-hmm. someone put out the fire and all of a sudden your body doesn't exist anymore after feeling like you were literally on fire. Not like, that's not like a hyperbole. That's not like mm-hmm. an like exaggeration of what, I, it felt like I was on fire and then all of a sudden like that's just like gone in a second. Do you think it's more a physical relief or a mental relief? For me, it was definitely physical. I wasn't in any mental pain. I was just in physical pain. Like my mental, I was just like, I guess I was sad because my, it was so much pain, but I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to escape anything, you know, like I'm a happy dude. It just was in a lot of pain. And that was like a super effective method to stop pain. Were you asked if you wanted to receive this type of drug? Because that's interesting to me. I think so, yeah. They're just like, oh, he's in pain here. Give him this. No, shit. they, they ask. Do you want addicting. something for the pain? And then they say, like, there's options. I think one of the options was like, do I want? Yeah, there's a couple options. I'm like, whatever the strongest one is, like, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one, please. And they're like, okay, it's like this is what it is. Like, it's like I think it was like two milligrams. So they do explain it to you. Yeah, and like, like this is an opiate. Yeah, they they like they say like, this is morphine. They say how much they're giving you, and they gave it to me. It was like a needle in my arm. And um, it's interesting because I, when I was in the hospital, I had one visitor 
You, you fucked didn't visit me. Carl, you didn't visit me. You either. didn't tell me you were in the hospital, so you got out. Okay, well, I was in a pretty rough shape, but I had one visitor. And this one visitor <laughs> was a girl I went to university with. And she had, had uh, been in a couple car accidents. And she is on opiates every single day. And she cannot live without them. Like, I mean, like, strong-ass shit. And, she, and I was talking to her about it. And, like, she's, like, every single day... Because at the end of it, I was taking the pill form of, this, of these things, and they were just fucking rocking me, like, just, like, totally overwhelming. And she was taking, like, four of these a day. And she's, like, 5'3", like, 15 pounds. I'm 6'1", 200 pounds. And I was, like, her tolerance was, like, 100, like, insanely higher than mine was for these drugs. Mm. That's, the, that's the one thing with opiates, right? Mm. You're like, your body gets used to it yeah. so fast. It, so, like, you see more and more totally, and more. Totally, Because, like, what I was doing, like, she's half my size, and she took essentially 400% per day of what I was taking when I was in the hospital. And this is just her just to live her life. She's functioning, right? Like doing everyday totally things. Totally working, yeah. like driving cars. Like I'm sitting there on planet fucking Z trying to like get through this, but like there's no way I'd be functioning with that amount of drugs. Anyways, the hospital experience in itself is my first time there. It was very, very, very interesting. Just for the record, I would like to point out that you texted me the day that you were leaving. Saying, hey, I just spent four days in the hospital. Hey, man, I was all fucked up. <laughs> so don't fucked. fucking try to blame me for not coming to visit you. Oh, you know who else came? You told me as you were leaving. You know who else came? <laughs> Michael Bell came. He was my only other visitor. Mike so you texted him and not me? Yeah, he came. He was going on his way to a golf tournament. Mike Bell was on your podcast. He was on his way to a golf tournament. He's like, hey, I'm going to come visit you. When I was there, I gained 25 pounds and I didn't eat anything. Think about that. Wrap your head around that. It was all from the IVs being in me. 25 pounds of water weight. I'll show you the picture. I look like Santa Claus. My belly's this big. <laughs> and really? Mike Bell came to look at my belly. Yeah, it was hilarious. What's in the IV? It's like, it's like sa- electrolytes. And like- yeah, it's like saline. It's like some sort of saline solution. So it's like water-based, obviously, with like p- potassium and like some other shit in it. So basically, I was going through one of these things every four hours. So I was there for, fuck, four days. So six of these a day times four. So I went through 24 liters of this shit, of like saline through my body in these four days. And I put on 25 pounds. I went in there 200 pounds. I left 225 pounds. And, it was, and I didn't eat a fucking thing. Not were, one thing. Were you like super, super dehydrated when you got into the hospital? Was that, was that part of it? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was dehydrated and like, yeah. It was just basically like to flush out my whole yeah. system. And it, like the first one, it's funny because when you're dehydrated, mm-hmm. I think a medical professional might disagree with me on this, but it feels like the first bag just goes, like, it, just like your body like Jeez, sucks it up. Eh? And the second one, but then after a while, they start going really slow. Right, right, right. But anyways, 25 pounds and just water weight. Um, yeah, the hospitals are crazy. That makes sense because, like, when you come home from working yeah. out or running or something, you just chug a bottle of water. So easy. Totally. Whereas, like, if you're just sitting down in the, whatever, halfway through the day and you're not dehydrated and you, like, start drinking water, yeah. it's difficult to drink more than a sip at a time. Yeah. I, so my body sipped... 24 liters of water. <laughs> it was fast, a lot. It was how a fast lot. did you lose the weight after? Oh, shit, man. Like, fuck. Less than a week. So it was pretty quick, eh? Super quick, yeah. It's just like, it's just like, I guess like the same as like beer weight. Right. Just like, it's like totally gone. Yeah, right when I was about to go into the hospital, like right when I was about to get in, some fucking lady cut her thumb off trying to cut an avocado. And so I had to wait an extra 20 minutes. Because she came in there with a thumb in her fucking, and her friend's like, oh my God, Susie lost her thumb. And they're like, okay, we got to do this or else we can't put it back on. And so she, she got in front of me and I was like, fuck. So if your situation is like super bad, do you just 
jump the line? I don't think they understand. Like for me, they didn't understand the severity. Right. But like, someone, I didn't even understand the severity until I was in there. Right. When someone comes with like a gunshot or something bleeding, they're probably totally, going yeah, in right totally, away. Totally. Right? You jump the line. Like this person lost their finger. I think they probably, cause I think a lot of people go to the hospital now. It's just like, I have a tummy ache. It's like, For yeah, sure. man, it's indigestion. I'm just feeling sick. Like, yeah, like yeah. totally. Right. That's why they ask you like one of the first questions they ask you is like, how many times have you been in the hospital in the last 12 months? Like, oh. Are you like a hypochondriac or right. like, but like, there's people who probably go there because they have like a, a flu. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, but like, yeah, people who've been stabbed or car accidents. Like when I was in the waiting room, I'm almost certain that the man beside me died. I'm pretty sure he died w- while I was in the ER because it was his third time there that week. And he just kept on holding his chest and like he was like half conscious, being like, "Oh my heart!" I'm like, like, and then he got in, but apparently, like he was like 90, and that was his third time that week, and like it was kind of like understood he was gonna die. But like also like how like the people who are in there like how used they are to like seeing death is pretty fucking crazy because when i was there i saw three people die like in four days i saw people people like there was a heart attack there's a lady who found out she was gonna have cancer and she had like a couple weeks to live and there was that guy with the heart thing who died anyways okay what we're talking about let's go back i'm really concerned about this medication thing what medication the whole like the way they give you opiates they just ask you a question there's like how much pain you in you're like it fucking hurts. This They're may like, change your okay, life. Okay, take this. <laughs> well, yeah. Did, have you not noticed that's kind of like how everyone gets started on, or not everyone, but that's how a lot of people get started on drugs. It's always like some construction worker yeah. hurt his back, started taking Percocets. That's why yeah. there's these, these fucking class action lawsuits against the people who make Percocets and Oxycons because for so long they were told to doctors who, on a side note, should really be fucking figuring this shit out themselves by being physicians, but they were told this isn't uh, like addictive. So they're prescribing them left, right, and center. And now you've built like this like society that's like pretty heavily dependent on opiates. They were de- de- prescribing that's those so fucked up. Man. In the Doctor- states, they were prescribing yes. like like hardcore opiates, like mad. And then a couple of years later, we're like, "Hey guys, we have a fucking problem here." Like Jimmy just killed his mom to get money to buy heroin. Like, how did that happen? Well, what's they changed tra- if your experience is the exact same? What do you mean? What's changed? Like with me? No, with with the system. Well, I think my the amount of pain I was in was pretty like significant. Like they said what I had was like, but they just go by what you say. Like if someone comes in and they they sprain their ankle and they're fine. No, no, no. I just need to, they they knew like they knew what was wrong with me and they knew that like, this is going to be insanely painful. Like, like in theory, not to like piss off any women out there, but like this is comparable to childbirth, which is apparently is pretty fucking painful. Ooh, that's dead. I think that's worse than me saying Polak. This is, this is what a physician told me. (laughs) This is what a doctor told me. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. Don't Careful. shoot the messenger. Just, I, all I know from experience, 30 know, years of life has taught me, hate never, yeah, ever never, compare anything know, to childbirth. Ever. Getting kicked in the nuts doesn't compare to childbirth. But it, it, there's no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moot conversation because like no one will ever know yeah. the opposite, right? But anyways, I was told that it's comparable to childbirth. It's insanely painful. I was losing consciousness because of my pain. Hold on. I think this is an important factor. Were you told by a male doctor or a female doctor that it is comparable to childbirth? Male doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your point doesn't. Void. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. Sorry. Uh, continue. Yeah. So as soon as I took those things, I was like, yeah, probably best to never do this again. Because they're pretty fucking awesome. So yeah. Note to self. Don't shoot black tar heroin. That's not. There's like instruction manual to life. Don't do heroin would be a good one. I feel like you've experienced with some drugs 
Like in my youth, yeah. A couple. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Recreational? Yeah, recreational drug use, like when I was like in university and stuff. Like nothing crazy, just kind of like what your average university student will do. But um, Was that the craziest shit? Yeah. That's, and that's a fucking doctor-given drug. Totally, 100%. Isn't that so crazy? But like, you got to think, like, most drugs that university students do, they're more recreational, right? Yeah. Like, no one's going to a party like, like, hey, Doug, let's go, like, smoke crack or meth, you know? Like, that conversation never happens. <laughs> it's like, do you want to smoke a joint? Yeah. When it was, like, illegal, right? Or, like, do you want to do mushrooms or something, right? Or, like, maybe ecstasy. It's like, those are things that you do on, like, a Saturday night when you're young at a party. No one's like, hey, man, let's jam our veins up. Like, no one does that. And, or at least my friends didn't. No one did that. So yeah, like it was without a doubt the craziest drug that as I've ever done, and it was prescribed to me by a doctor. Yeah, don't do that. It's 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 a lot. Do you have any desire to try other stuff? No, not really. Especially now, not now. Like now, I'm in such a good place. Like 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 physically, and mentally. Like I don't like I'm I'm just I feel happy now. I don't really feel like I have no desire to try anything. I'm happy with like a, a nice scotch. What about ayahuasca? What the fuck is that? Is that the stuff? Me and uh, Denny are going to Brazil. Oh actually. my God. Is this the stuff that makes you see the like Lord? Yeah. With the shamans. We're going to meet Jesus. Apparently you're only supposed to do it if a shaman is present. <laughs> yeah, I think James told me about this maybe. Or is it you? Or someone told me about this. Um, yeah. No, I have no desire to do ayahuasca, man. I don't know what to tell you. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. It's just not on my list. But anyways... Um, hospital place that's really the ER is a crazy place. They kept on trying to put me into beds, like a normal bed in the hospital. I'm like, no, I like it here. It's very like it's hectic. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of movement in the ER. They tried to move you, and you said no because he they, they were going to put you in a quieter place. Right? Yeah, like like the nor, like a normal hospital yeah. room. Like you go visit someone who's in a hospital room. Like they have a normal room. They're not in the ER getting yeah. like worked on. I like the ER. It's a fucking crazy wow. place, man. Yeah, it's it's mental. What was the craziest cool. thing you saw there? The uh older woman made a racial slur towards a white police officer and then punched him in the face. That was pretty crazy. She was like 80. That was pretty, pretty intense. Also like just hearing like that, that woman beside me was going to die. Like the doctor, like the conversation, like how that happens is very, 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 very sobering. Like it's like, Hey, this is the situation you're going to, you have max two months to live. You're at the age where this isn't going to work. I think we should do this and it might buy you like two months. And the woman's sitting there with her sister. They're both like 80, like the sweetest old ladies. And like hearing that conversation, it's tough, man. It's fucking tough. And like, I know they're 80 and I know like they've, they've had probably great lives. But like just hearing like, like how final that is, like mm-hmm. it's very, very weird to hear. Isn't it weird to then like relay that back to your life, talking about, talking to people with other careers? And like, I take it very seriously when like suggesting things when people are dealing with offers on their homes. It's a lot of money involved. Totally. Doctors are communicating to people I saying, I suggest this to survive longer. Like that's just next level. It's so crazy. I don't even think about, think about how much pressure that doctor is on when they're thinking of, okay, there's two different strategies here that could prolong this person's life based on their age and their health condition and all this blah, 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 blah. I'm going to suggest this one. Isn't that fucking crazy? Man, I think, like, not just doctors, but nurses, like, anyone in the medical profession Hmm. that I deal with in my job, they tend to be really bad with what I do, like, numbers, investing, stuff like that. I think their brains are just totally different. 
it's scientific to them, right? So, it's totally, like, totally. It's like, here's the two options. Totally. This one obviously makes sense. Totally. Right? Just like when I work with like engineers, they're also kind of like weird to work mm-hmm. with, like the way their brain works. It's just a different way of thinking. Yeah. Like they don't, it's just, it's just different. But yeah, I, I know I could never in a, like as a kid, I always wanted to be a garbage man looking mm-hmm. back, probably not the best career choice, but I, I used to like, like the idea of it. And number two, I want to be a firefighter. And like now, like when I, like I talk to some people who are firefighters and like some of the stuff they see and like what they, it's just, it's a really like, I, I don't know if I, like, I'm not that type of person to do that. And it's weird because when I was working in West Vancouver, I was moving millions and millions of dollars around all the time. And like, that wasn't that big of a deal. But like, if I had to like some guy like lost his hand, like some, like, I don't know, some tree stumper or like something, I think I just fucking pass out. I don't think I could do that. Like some guys, like no hand on the arm. I just not for me, man. I have nothing but respect for those people. hundred percent. I can't deal with blood at all. And like they do that every day. Like these ER nurses. Tough as fuck, man. Like five foot two, 115 pounds. And they're like holding people. Like they are so tough. Like so much tougher than you think they are. Holding like big guys down and moving people around. They're tiny people, but they're so tough. I was really impressed by them. Um, in retrospect, I'm happy I went to the hospital. I'm happy things happened how they did. I'm super happy I went through what I went through, but I don't want to do that again. How's your perspective change now? Uh, my gratitude towards life is like a million times more. What are you appreciating more? Uh, I appreciate relationships more. Like, as you probably noticed, like you notice that I'm probably around more since I've been out of the hospital than before I went to the hospital. What's the next point? If you haven't noticed that, you can tell me that. <laughs> but like my family would have said. I see you all the time. Like, no, I know. You're one changed. Yeah, no. Yeah. So like my family would say like they see me a lot more. Like relationships mm-hmm. have changed the most. Um, you know, I want to be around people that I love a lot more. Um, also like the way I just see, like, just like the natural world is like, I just, I'm like so blown away by like, just like everything, like nature is like, I always love nature, but now it really blows my mind. That's interesting for you to say, cause you've always been so fascinated by learning shit about nature. I know I fucking right? love nature, man. Like I'll call Alex on a <laughs> Thursday evening at 7, 13 PM. Like, Hey buddy, what are you up to? It's like, oh, just watching this documentary on pelicans. Yeah, it's true. What? I, what I love mean? I love that shit, man. <laughs> I find it, I, I just think it's so crazy. Like, what's a pelican up to? Like, where is he? What's he doing? And like, now, like, when I go for walks and stuff with my dog, like, I'll look at, like, I'll just stop and I like, just look at, like, something and I'll be like, that is really incredible how that works. So I think gra- the biggest thing that has changed since I've been out of the hospital is just unlimited gratitude for everything. Even shitty stuff. I am kind of grateful for. Mm. Like I'm sitting there having like a shitty meal. Mm. I'm just like, fuck, this is not that bad. Better than IV juice, you know? It's funny when, yeah. It's funny when people get to that level of entitlement in their, in their world that they will complain about food. Dude, people complain complain against way crazier shit than food. People complain about When was the last time you complained about a meal though? Like even if something is mediocre, you're just like, ah, whatever. It was okay. Do people complain about things that are way, like people will be waiting in line for something amazing and they'll complain about the line that they paid. You know, like it's just, that's just a bad strategy. Cause like, I wish those people could kind of have those sobering moments just for a second, you know, just to see like, are these things really that big of a deal? Like what you missed your sky train. You're going to catch the next one in three minutes. Are you really going to throw a temper tantrum and look like a fucking idiot in front of everyone? Uh Like just chill out. Like there's so much bigger problems in the world. Like, I have a glass half full attitude, 
but the world has some shitty stuff in it, like really bad stuff. And like people who complain about things or gossip about things, I have no time for that shit. It's just such, such like negativity loses every single time. And the only loser is the negative person. Why is that our initial reaction though? Have you caught yourself recently or can you think of an experience where you like, your initial reaction was something very negative that we would talk about as like the majority of people would think this, but then you like altered your thought process. Um, I would the say thing I think about on like a daily day to day basis is like traffic and like someone cutting you off or like tr- just traffic in general being like, this is fucking shitty. I think of people in the, like the service industry, like some cashier at Safeway mm-hmm. getting treated like shit by some person trying to buy, I don't know, a filet or something like, like why is projecting that much negative onto this person who's just trying to make it through the day mm-hmm. or like some gas station attendant or someone who's just, you know, someone at Tim Hortons new to Canada fucking put bacon on instead of the sausage. And you're going to sit there and chew them out for five minutes. So what they put bacon on instead of the sausage. Can we all just chill the fuck out? Like everyone just relax for <laughs> one so second, yeah. go back and be like, Hey, can I have a new one? They'll be like, yeah, of course. I'm sorry. But just sit there and make that person feel small. I think it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, and what, like, what does that do for you to make that person, you know, just came from Thailand supporting her family. She fucked up your order and you're going to sit there and just yell at her. I just think it's, I think it's honestly very close to being mentally insane. Like, like, like clinically insane to do that. There's my piece. That's how I feel. I think the people that like <clears throat> complain in the first place have like something negative in their life, right? Like there's probably something that they're complaining about. 100%. And like, it's such a, like a circle of never ending hate almost, right? Because then you complain, you treat these people like shit and then people probably treat you like shit because you just seem like that asshole Dude, and it never you know ends. What's crazy <clears throat> about that though is that like, you're right. There's that, it's called like, a, like I like to call it like a shit slide, like <laughs> shit trickles down, right? Yeah. Like think of a corporation. Right. Like the CEO screams at this guy, Mm -hmm. screams at the manager, screams at the employees. It just trickles down. But it's fucking crazy how positivity does that 10 times. Like, like if you smile and talk to people, their day becomes so much better. They're going to go do the thing. Like there's so many people trying to change the world by like protesting, posting things on social media. And they think that they're doing shit all like just go open a door for someone. They make things worse. Yeah, it's just, making things worse. Why not? Like when Carl said, it's just like a continuous cycle of negativity. Like I, let's say I go into a Tim Hortons and I treat that woman poorly. Poorly. Then she goes home and she's in a bad mood, so she treats her husband poorly. And then he goes to work the next day and whatever, whatever. Why not be that one stop in the fucking cycle? Why not be that one person that is just like over the top positive? Totally. I think. I think it's. I, I think there are people like that, and We're, those people deserve all their. They're they're heroes. Because what they're doing is they take that negativity, they filter it, like those, uh, they just filter that negativity and they throw positivity to the world. And that you positivity- You think about it differently, right? Yeah, the positivity is like so contagious. Like you can sit there, like I've seen people at bus stops, like they feel like they're shit. It's rainy, it's cold, you're about to get on a fucking bus, which sucks. And like they'll start talking to the person beside them. And you'll start to see like their, their manner, like they'll start smiling. Totally. Maybe they'll laugh. And then you see them get on and like, they're, they're just their whole, like their shoulders are like, they just feel better about themselves. And like that positivity, it's so, it, it, it moves throughout society so, so easily, so much better than negativity, but it feels like negativity is almost like the easier thing to resort to. So I was thinking about this recently because we talk about it on a few different podcasts. 
And I feel like the negative reaction is instinctual. It happens automatically. Mm-hmm. So if someone cuts you off in traffic, you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Whereas you have to consciously reframe your mind to be like, oh shit, maybe he's in a hurry. Maybe his wife just called him and said, fuck you, I'm packing my bags. Like you never know what the hell happened. Or, Jerome, or right? maybe that guy's just an asshole and that's okay too. Should it affect why is he not? That's what I'm thinking. Like my mind is almost shifted now to be like, why is he an asshole? I think the next step for your mind is to be like, it doesn't matter why he's an asshole, but in no way, like you should, I feel bad for people like that, that they have to live like that. I'm more like, I think we're talking about the same thing though. Maybe, maybe we're just saying different words. I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Like, like I feel bad for that person, but if that makes you be an asshole, the next person you see. Like, I, I think that's... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm thinking about it like I'm trying to understand. Mm-hmm. I want to understand. Mm-hmm. I want to understand why... Use that cutting off example. Why did that guy cut me off? Yeah, He's in a hurry is, for something. What is he in a hurry for? Maybe his wife is fucking in the delivery room having a baby and he's fucking rushing to the hospital. I can understand... Like, geez. Maybe let me there is carve no a path for this guy and get him there faster. What right? happens if there is no reason though? What happens if the guy's just an asshole? Is that, that's still okay? No, but there's a reason for being an asshole. I don't think people are born assholes. Oh, okay. I think it's a learned behavior. Maybe. Um, yeah, I think people think sometimes they get ahead by that, like that. Um, but that, but that, that came from somewhere that came from like maybe some crazy dominant male figure in his life saying that you need to be a prick to get ahead, you know? This is, this is why I ask people so many questions. I find humans so fascinating. Like, why do people... Because everyone's story is so different. But just humans in general and their nature is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, someone will sit there and go to, a, like, like, they'll go to a market, right? Like a farmer's market or something. And they'll, you know, someone who's like a local person, they're selling soap, and they'll grind with this person over 50 mm-hmm. cents, right? For this person who's just selling soap. And then that very night, they'll go to Cactus Club and spend a hundred dollars and tip the waiter $20 and feel totally normal mm-hmm. without even realizing that that 50 cents would have gone so much further yeah. to this first person than to this, this, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, 100%. how do they, how do people think like that? But anyways, this all wraps down to, or wraps up to, wraps down to, it comes down to what wraps I said about into, okay. Wraps into what I said about <laughs> self-awareness, being self-aware. Like you gotta be aware of who you are and like how you think. And that's, I think that's like super important. I think there's one thing that you can teach someone to better their lives is to be self-aware and to be gracious. Those two things, you're giving those person like all, like they have all the tools they need to have like a really good life. I'm, I'm obviously very passionate about this. I feel very strongly that those are the two things that equal happiness. I love those two things, man. I, want, I love talking about them too. I love hearing people's different perceptions of those two things. Because whenever you talk about self-awareness, like, especially people our age, maybe when you're like 50, 60, you have a different perspective on it. But when people our age always say, oh, yeah, I'm super self-aware. I know who I am. I love my career, blah, 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 blah. But the majority of people seem maybe not on the surface, but have, have actions towards being unhappy. Right, like, are fucking obsessed with Friday afternoon because they get to get off work and get shit faced on Saturday. You know, totally. But, I know, I know people like that. But during the week, like, oh my god, my job is so great. It's so fun. Oh my god. Well, I know people who just fucking hate their lives. They hate their jobs and they just do it. But they don't admit that. 
No, no, I know people who full up admit it. Like they oh. like just trying. They're like well, that's it's like, that's being more self aware. Yeah, totally. Like they're just trying to make it to the finish line. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just trying to get to Friday so they can get blacko drunk, forget about everything that happened that shit week, <laughs> spend the whole Saturday hungover, go for a hike on Sunday, and start it all over again. Like it's crazy. It it is craziness. It really is. Um, but yeah, that's why I think you just try to make other people's lives as good as you can. That's the balance what, is ch- challenging though. Like, and you look for examples of who's doing it well, and you have no idea when you like pull yourself out of it and understand you have no idea what that person is going through behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to like find an example of like who is balancing this whole crazy fucking life thing well. Who's balancing their mortgage with their kid, with their spouse, with their friends, with their family? Like, it's, it's hard without context, but I think we can all, like, it, whether it's me or you or anyone listening, can look at someone who. They, they can think of someone, like they can picture them in their head of someone who they think is doing this pretty well. I know, but whether they you, are not, when is, you actually pull apart that person that you think is doing it well, are they really doing it well? Or is it just this projection that they're putting out there? I think, I think that's a challenge. And that's the thing that I'm thinking about is just like, I don't know what anyone is fucking doing. So I just need to do the things that like make me smile, make me happy, right? Yeah, I think that no one really has life mastered, but... <laughs> I think that some people have like the bases covered and they're doing a pretty good job. Like they're. But who, how do you know who those people are? Why is it important to know who those people are? Let them just like those. We're talking about examples. We're talking about like. Well, I don't know. Like I can think of people in my family, for example, who I like, I know, I think I know well. And I think like, I'm really proud of like how they're living their lives, you know? But when people, I'm not saying anyone in your family. Saying like, no, I'm just saying, I'm sure you could have someone that you know. When you hear of like a friend or like a family member or like a friend's family member who commits suicide or like overdoses on drugs that's, or whatever. That's no The good. first thing those people always say is they seemed so happy. So the point I'm trying to make is like, how do you decipher from the people who seem really happy to who are really happy? I don't know, man. Ask a priest. I have no well, idea. Well, that's, that's the fucking difficult part, right? So that's why in my own head, I'm just like, I can't really worry about whether people are doing it right or wrong or different than me or whatever. Just do the things that, whether it's work or family or friends or the balance between all three of those things, do the things that like will make you go to sleep at night and say, I had a fucking great day and that made, that made me happy. I took 45 minutes off to go for a walk in the park and like, I really enjoyed that. So I need to do that more or like whatever that shit is. Yeah, I agree. Another, another thing that changed kind of when I got out of the hospital was my optimism towards the future, being at the end of the day and being excited Mm. for tomorrow. Mm. That's an also new feeling. So I think that ties into what you were saying about enjoying today. And like that wraps into kind of just like Mm. looking forward to tomorrow, like looking, like really looking forward to waking up. It's a really good feeling. Like really like genuinely being like, holy shit. Like if every day feels like Christmas Eve, that's awesome. That is such a good way to live your life. Like you just cannot wait for the shit that's going to happen tomorrow. That's awesome. Like yesterday, I knew it was coming on this podcast today. I was like, I cannot wait to get in front of that microphone with Carl and Denny, have some scotch. <laughs> I knew I was going to have to do a lot of work today. I was going to hang with Archie. Went to my, my parents' house. I ate some of their food. I'm like, this is going to be a great day. You know what? It's going to be a great night after this too. I'm going to go eat more of their food. Can't wait. How do we share this? How do you share positivity or? Yeah, the optimism, the like, Because sometimes, for me anyway, 
sometimes I feel like people aren't wanting to hear it. Because I think it's because they think it's bullshit. I think they think it's just like when you turn on the TV on Sunday morning and they see that healer hitting all those people in the head. You're healed. <laughs> you're healed. I think that's what they think it's like. Hmm. You know, like, because they just don't understand. Like, I've never been healed by one of those people. But, <laughs> you know, the blind guy all of a sudden is fucking reading yeah. a textbook. Like, it's like, holy shit, that's amazing. But I think that's how negative people see positivity. Like, it's not real hmm. type thing. Um, but I think just going back to the people who, like, protest, complain on social media, like, to try to make a difference. Hmm. I, I understand people can't see my air quotations if they're listening to this. But. Those same people who are doing that, if you go out and you do shit like hold someone's bags for them when they're walking their groceries in the car, help mm-hmm. an old lady cross the street, open the door for someone, mm-hmm. talk to someone who's just sitting there by themselves, like you make such a bigger impact on the world than complaining about how things could have been. Like the, the way to make an impact is to just go out there and do one good thing every day. It just goes, it's like a, it just, it webs out. It's, it's like exponential. One turns into two to four to eight to you know what I mean? Like it just, it just spreads out. I love it. I love it. Do you consciously try to do that? Yes, I do. Every and day. How? Just like, I literally will sometimes just go out, just be like, Hey, I got to do something good. So whether that's just like, I will literally go to red apple on Hastings and just sit there and just talk to like the cashiers. I give Don. You will leave your house and say that I I'll, need to go out and do yeah, something good. I will literally go and be like, I need to just do something. And it might be like, Hey, I got to go get some tomatoes and <clears> make myself a sandwich. And be like, on the way, like, let's just try to do like one good thing. That's it. It's super simple and it makes more of an impact than what 90% of the people are doing by trying to make an impact. I just, just doing good shit. I try to make my day-to-day interactions that are super normal for 95% of us that live in greater Vancouver more enjoyable for the people involved. Mm-hmm. Like a Starbucks visit. Walk in the door. They're like, hey, how are you? What can I get you? Most people are just like, ah, I'll take a fucking grande cappuccino, caramelized, half sweet, half fat, not that hot, but extra hot at the end, latte. (laughs) The old double pump. And the person behind the counter is just like trying to write it all down. Why not just walk in the door and be like, hey, how are you? Oh my gosh. Such a great day today. I love Sundays. Sundays are my favorite day. And the person behind the counter is like... You're right. I love Sundays too. You don't want to be like artificial about it. Like you don't want to be like those people who are like on like something that makes them like super like too over the top, but mm. like just being involved and like caring about other people. And I think, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that the people who get the most happiness and like reciprocation are the people kind of on the higher end of society. So like, for example, you might go mm. to an appointment with a professional and you might be more cordial and respectful of that person than if you're going to an appointment with a car mechanic or like not even car mechanic, but someone like, like, you know what I mean? Someone who is like more like blue collar. I don't think they get treated as well as the people who are more white collar. So I think to add on to your point, treating people in the service industry, like. Why not every fucking interaction though? That's what I'm saying. But I'm just, I feel like humans in general tend to only respect and be cordial towards the people kind of on the upper echelons of society where there, there's like this whole lot of people in the lower echelons that get treated like shit every single day. And that's what I think is kind of like, you have to be more con- like conscious. Like, would I talk to my mom like this? Would I talk to my accountant like this? Or am I treating this person like a sh- piece of shit to try to feel like I'm better than this person? Cause I feel like that's what a lot of people do. 
Why not the, well, I don't know. I feel like names are important. So like, totally. let's say someone, let's say you live in an old house and you have mice in your house and there's an exterminator coming to take mice out of your house. I think they just kill them, but yeah. Or kill the mice that are running around your house. Stuart Little about to get his shit together. Anyway. <laughs> I love Stuart I feel Little. like, why isn't that interaction like, hey, James or Jimmy or like whatever the hell your name is. What's going on? It's Friday afternoon. What are you up to this weekend? Oh, all right, great. Yeah, I got a fucking problem down here. There's a few mice running around. Can you help me out? One thing I try to do is always offer someone a drink. So like if like I had some people doing my um, 100%. siding on mm-hmm. my apartment. So this dude is like, it's in the middle of summer. He's on my balcony. Yeah. Power washing. I just said like, hey man, do you want to like take like 15 minutes? Like I got a cold beer if you just want to like chill out for a bit. And they usually say no, but just like that offer, I think goes a long way. 100%. You probably have the cleanest deck now too. Totally. Like just, yeah, treat people well, man. Like I always try to, another thing I was, I was talking to a friend the other day about like those traffic people. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I'm just give a little wave, a little smile, a little, how are you doing, Sally? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have to it's be like... It's so interesting. They fucking always smile. The people always. at the stop... Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Flaggers? Flaggers, yeah. Stop slow. Stop slow. Totally. And yeah. like... But I think it's because they're used to being treated like shit kind of. Like, but as you drive by them, if you like wave or smile, they always smile back. It's because they have so to c- deal with assholes all the time being yeah. like, yo, I'm late for my appointment. Why do, I ha- why do I have to listen to your stupid stop? Or just thousands of cars go by and just, totally. just another pylon, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Breathing exhaust all day. Like shit. Like those people deserve respect. Everyone deserves respect. And, like, I think that I would have been, like, the last person to say this a couple of years ago, but, like, my mindset has really changed. I think I've always loved people, but I didn't always think I had that respect for everyone that I have now. Because, like, shit is hard for everyone. Everyone has shit they deal with. There's no one who has a perfect life. But they're, they still deserve, like, some sort of, like, just basic human decency. Do you feel like you have value to offer people? Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think I'm that— I'm glad you do, because you have a lot. I think so. I think that I think that I've had it pretty good, but I still don't think take things for granted. And I think that showing people that is important. Like no matter where you are in your life, to be like to really appreciate is really important. Because things will change. Like you sometimes you're like on the top and sometimes you're on the bottom. Like it's you're never gonna be on the top all the time. And like the top is subjective, but what I'm trying to say is like it's easy to laugh and be happy when things are going great, but you also have to kind of enjoy the struggle to get there. It's interesting to look at people who have passed away and just see what people who knew them say about them. Right. Mm-hmm. So like Steve jobs is an example. Billionaire. I don't know how much money they have a lot. Yeah. Billions and billions. Yeah. A lot. Everyone, like a lot of people that knew him or worked for him or were in business with him, said he was an asshole. Said he treated people like shit. Whereas, like, you move over to Elon Musk and people are just like, this guy is in a, on a different planet. He's way smarter than everyone. He hasn't really, he's not really concerned about the money, even though he's a billionaire. He's not really concerned. He just wants to make the planet better. He's like, I want to build tunnels. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> Want to send these fucking rockets? Yeah, in dude, space. that, that guy is. That like, guy is he just cool. wants to make the world better. That guy's next level. Yeah, like next um, level. I think. But comparing like two billionaires like that, it's kind of interesting. I think Everyone's that, gonna die. Doesn't matter how much money you have. I think compassion goes a long way. So with how you remember crazy, compassion, man. like how you treat other people is really important. And like if you're measuring yourself with how much money you have, 
you're probably a piece of shit. That's a losing honest. format. Yeah, for you're sure. probably a bad person. Mm-hmm. If you're measuring yourself on like like really like like complex things like how your relationships are and like and you shouldn't even be measuring yourself. You should just be enjoying yourself. But if you are measuring yourself by how much money you have, like you got to reevaluate your shit. If you take pleasure in your bank account versus pleasure in how much value you add to people with all the experience and stuff that you've gone through, I think that's the difference. Totally. And I don't want to come from a place of like I realize we've had pretty good lives and I don't want to come from a place of privilege, but I do think that's important to like really like understand that like you gotta like man those two building blocks money's on top of those somewhere on that list mm-hmm. for like the happiness scale utility whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. but those two like that gratitude self-awareness that is like the, that's the basis of it everything else cars like all that shit that's 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 somewhere down the line even though i do like a nice car actually i'm thinking of getting a new car as a matter of fact what do you think i'm getting i you know what i i like i'm not a huge car dude like, I'm not, like, one of those guys who takes, like, a lot of pride in their car. But I'm thinking of getting a little Mazda 3. Hmm. Fuel efficient, high safety rating. Lease? I'm thinking of leasing. Used? I'm thinking, thinking of leasing, yeah. Hmm. Brand new lease. It's mostly being used for work, so I can probably write it off the shit of that. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I love the idea of fuel efficiency. Hmm. I really like the idea of going along. Why not electric? Um, because I want some of the bit of balls. Like, I don't want to, like, be, like, puttering around. Like, I want to... I Honestly, drove... some of the cars now today, like the Mazda 3, you can go to Calgary and back on a tank of gas. Like, how do you do that? I test drove a Model 3. Oh, yeah, that's, that's next level, yeah. Yeah, but it's 50 grand. It's like a fancy Mazda 3. Mazda yeah. 3. What's a Mazda 3 start at? 30? I don't know. I'm looking at the lease payments. I'm, I'm just know. guessing. I don't know. Anyway, Tesla Model 3 start at 50 grand. And they are fucking fast, man. Yeah, they're, they're, but that's, yeah. They're like two times as fast as my SUV right now. Well, that's pretty fast. It's dumb. The acceleration doesn't make sense. You hit the gas pedal and you're, you get sucked back in the seat. It doesn't make any, it like physics don't make sense. Sometimes I feel with my car now, I should just cut a plate beneath my feet and just Fred Stone, Flintstone the shit, (laughs) Flintstone the shit of that car because it has no nothing, man. Especially in the snow. Yeah, totally. It's so bad on gas. It's got no power. I'm like, why aren't I just pushing this thing around? <laughs> Wilma. No, but seriously, yeah, I, I need to get a new car. Um, what, what, what do you got written down there? I'm curious. Nothing. You got some notes there. I covered it all. Uh, I wrote, why not be the person to stop the cycle? When Carl was talking about negativity cycle. We discussed that, yeah. I wrote, uh, you have so much value to give to people. How can you share? We kind of touched on that. Well, well, like what we're doing right now is a good example, to be honest with you. Like this is a way of, of expressing some sort of value that I may or may not have. Mm-hmm. Communicate, communication, just communicating value, communicating like, and again, who the hell am I? I'm not preaching. I'm just saying like, kind of I like, know where? that's the awkward part always with like the podcast or anything or sharing like something that you hold really important, but sounds kind of arrogant. Totally. Like, like who what's the, hell? the fine line? Who the hell am I to I look know. at someone else and be like, don't do drugs because they're kind of awesome? Yeah. Be happy. Don't be a prick. Like, that's not my position. I'm just saying it's like maybe like just like being a bit happier will maybe help other people understand that. I just think the more communication, the better. Totally. The more conversations like this, like with JoJo. <laughs> JoJo Mason? Am I, the, am I the smallest celebrity to be on this podcast? 
Am I the least mean? famous person to be on this podcast? No, no one's famous. Everyone's just trying to do shit. What do you mean Todd Talbot was on this podcast? That's the name of the fucking podcast. It's zero to hear. Todd's Everyone's famous. just trying to get somewhere. Todd. Everyone's story is different, man. JoJo's famous. You know what great line I came up with the other day? I think it works across business avenues. Everyone's real estate journey is different. You should put that on a business card. I want to help you along here. Oh, yeah, it's a bit corny, actually. <laughs> I know, it's super that's, corny. That's pretty bad, But it's yeah. true, like, everyone's journey in life. Everyone's journey is so different. Your journey, like, growing up and all the shit that you go through and, like, this recent thing in September that you go through, like, all your experience amounts to, like, a different level of knowledge than mine, than Carl's, than whoever's. Totally. And that's why I think it's important to surround yourself with good people who have different experiences. But that's, I think, the exciting part about sharing is just, I'm, I don't like the word advice. Advice is like, I'm telling you to do something. Whereas like, I like the word experience. I like sharing things that have happened to me and the ways that I got through them. And if you pull something out of that, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to say like, Alex, with your business, with your mortgage broker business, you should do this. I'd rather just be like, well, I tried these three things. I really like this. It worked for me. This reason why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think advice, though, is kind of what you're like, advice is supposed to be like advise is to like suggest almost. It's not like you're telling someone what to do. Maybe we're getting caught I, in the phenomics. I, I feel like when people oh. receive advice, they're like, oh, shit, I need to do that. Whereas if you just talk about yourself, like what you've gone through and your experience with business or a client interaction or whatever it is. I feel like it's more just like broad and people can pull out different things that they like about it. Oh, I like how he said that I would, for my personality, I'd adjust it to work into my business. I agree. Way. But we have to understand about that though. Like not to disagree with you, but you what, disagree. I, what, like. I, what I, what I, like you have to be kind of a stronger person mentally to listen to someone who's more accomplished than you and change that strategy. Cause most mm -hmm. people will listen to someone like who's that guy who talks to all the Walmart employees. But that's your definition of Tony Robbins. You know, like everyone just listens to that. They're like, okay, this is this is like the ar like the architect for how to do it. I can't stand that guy. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, like, well, okay, look, you like Gary Vee. When you listen to Gary Vee, like you have to kind of t cut and paste to yourself. You can't just. But be like, I don't blindly follow Gary Vee. I like some of the points. Totally, that he makes, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You I, can't like it takes a bit of a stronger person mentally to just not when someone gives them advice to just not just blindly follow that, especially if that person is significantly more successful <clears> than you are. You have to understand like where and what the person is giving you to. Like a Tony Robbins to me is a production. It's a business, right? Yeah. He charges fucking thousands of dollars for people to sit in an auditorium and for him to yeah, yeah, motivate them, right? There, there's so like many people stupid. Like that, yeah. Totally. I don't know. I don't like, I can't really stand that guy, to be honest. <laughs> I can't even like listen to him. Robbins, yeah. it's, just, it's just like so fake. Everything is fake. Yeah, but, so that's what I'm saying. Is like, if you are to listen to someone who's telling you what to do, I'm thinking you it's need to. It's not listening, but like, that's what I'm, the point I'm trying to get across is like, have conversations with lots of people and pull out the things that you think can work well for you. Right? Like there's been conversations on this podcast where there's things I've never thought about before. And I'm like, oh my God, I think that would work super good in my business. And that would really suit my personality and whatever, provide more value, help me grow the business, help whatever. Mm -hmm. 
like Thai is a great example. It gave me like three things that I am literally doing weekly now that are so much better than the way I was doing it before, but I just never even thought about them. Oh, Thai. Uh, Corsi. Yeah, Corsi, yeah. But other things in his business that work really well for him wouldn't suit me and my personality. Yes, yeah, so you just got to pick and choose what's, what, what you like. You have to be self-aware. That's what I'm saying, man. These, everything comes down to these two things. It all comes down to that at the end of the day. Seriously, I've run through a million situations in my head. It comes down to gratitude and self-awareness, every single one of them. You have those, you will be okay. I wish I could just fucking tattoo this on everyone, right on their heart. Gratitude, self-awareness. They see that every day. I know, but when people hear that, it's, it's intimidating. It's like, where do I even start with this? I think I know who I am. I want to know who I am. I'm doing things that I think I like. Like, how do I know? I, I don't, I'm not as happy as I want to be. How do I know where to go from here kind of thing? Hmm. It's really easy to say you need to be self-aware. What does that mean to people? What does that mean to a normal person who's working in nine to five who is like, meh, it's okay. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but like it pays the bills and it, you know, feeds my daughter. Man, there's nothing wrong with nine to five. Like seriously. There's nothing wrong with it, but like when they listen to shit like this and people who like maybe are a little bit more outgoing than them or a little bit more excited about their career and their day-to-day than they are, and we're saying self-awareness, blah, blah, blah. Like you need to be self-aware. Like Gary Vee is a fucking prime example of this. A lot of people listen to him and love him. A lot of people listen to him and are like, well, like you're not, you're not giving any practical advice. You're saying self-awareness. What the fuck does that mean? How do you get there? How do you go from like, whatever, being talk, going back to service industry? How do you go from being a waitress who has a daughter who is literally just scraping by to pay the bills? Yeah, yeah. It's not terrible. I'm surviving, but it's not like everything I want it to be and more. Well, I don't think it what has the hell to be nece- self-awareness. I don't think it necessarily has to be all to do with your career, even though it's a big part of your life. I think self-awareness can come like, you know, you're, like somebody who works nine to five, they're working eight hours a day. There's a lot of time that they're alive and they're doing things where they can be enjoying their life. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of time in their life where they can be enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily have to be career oriented, but um, obviously enjoying the eight hours you spend every day working would be ideal. Uh, I think. Isn't that, that the key though, is like finding something that is enjoyment that also is an income source. True. But dude, there's always going to be, have there's going to be jobs that there's going to be shitty jobs in the world. hundred percent. Someone's gonna have to do them and they're not going to like it. And I think that self-awareness to answer your question. It looks very different to everyone. So what it looks like to totally. me, to you, it's very, very different. Mm-hmm. So if I'm saying to someone to be self-aware, it's not to be like me or to be like you or to be like Carl, it's to be like their own version of that. And honestly, part of it, I think, is just being thinking that you're self-aware and like understanding yourself and believing that you understand yourself, which is like totally subjective in its own sense. Sorry, that got so deep there, but... No, but also... hundred percent. Because it's also being aware that you're unhappy in a situation, right? Yeah, like it, if something pisses you off, rather than being like, oh, it's not that bad, whatever, enjoying the experience of being disappointed or upset or annoyed and saying, okay, this really pisses me off. I need to adjust these things in my life to not let that happen all that often. Yeah, yeah. It's, man, it's so tough because you, earlier you threw out the word privilege and that shit's always stuck with me. Like it, it always sticks with me. Like 
what I'm saying is it coming from a place of privilege? Because like, how can you look at someone who has it really, really, really bad and say, hey, man, <laughs> just smile, you know, like, yeah. <clears throat> I'd, if I was that person, I'd be like, fuck you, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think you got to start somewhere, man. You got to start somewhere and with something. If you're complaining all the time that shit sucked, either change it or shut up. That's kind of a hard way of saying it. I'm trying not to come from that place of privilege, but like, unless you're forced to do something, like you're forced to do this, you can always change things. You can change your job. You can change who you hang around with. Like the easiest way to be just marginally happier immediately is to stop hanging out with assholes. Right away, you'll be happier. If you're hanging around with people who like gossip and talk shit and do all these bad, like just negative people, you're gonna feel like an asshole. It's inevitable. No matter if you are the biggest ray of sunshine, if you're hanging around all those dark clouds, it's gonna feel shitty, man. It's gonna feel shitty. So just cut that shit out and you're gonna be okay. Wow, I sound like I'm preaching. You know what? Maybe I am. I think I am preaching. I think I like it. I like this platform. <laughs> Positivity, my friend. Starting tomorrow, Alex D'Angelo podcast. <laughs> like how to not hate your life. Yeah, so like for me, the biggest thing was my support network, like being my family, my friends. No matter how bad shit ha- was, I knew I always had like this like big net below me to just prop me back up no matter how bad I, I messed up in my life. And I think like having a support network and like being surrounded by good, positive people, that is a great step towards like these goals we're talking about of like gratitude and self-awareness. It's interesting because when you understand that perspective of, you know, this idea of you are the five people that you hang around with, or you're the average of the five people you hang around with or whatever. When you start understanding that and then like auditing your circle, then you also want to hold yourself to a higher standard for you being part of someone else's circle, Totally, right? Yeah. You don't want to get cut from someone else's circle because you're complaining they didn't put enough cream cheese on your bagel that morning. (laughs) I totally get it. Because then someone who's better than you is going to be like, what's with this guy? Just a little bit of cream cheese, you know? I totally get that. Yeah, you got to hold yourself. Yeah, man, good people got to hold each other accountable for being good people. And it can't be superficial. It can't be fake. Hmm. You can't try. It's so easy to... Because if it's fake, you see through that shit. Yeah, right away. Like if someone's like fakely like optimistic or positive... Hmm. It's just, you're going to, you just got to like want the best for other people first. If you are selflessness is important. That's, that's huge. That will come back to you as being a good person. I think. I feel like round two is going to happen fairly soon. Carl, was that the worst or the best podcast you've ever heard? That was really good. That was engaging the whole time. You guys covered a lot of good stuff. I feel like we talked a lot about happiness. Alex, Alex is an interesting guy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like because you are super passionate about this and it's very evident and obvious. Passionate. So once you get going, you're just being yourself and it's just so natural. And it's, I think it's the easiest way to listen to it. 100%. I liked it. Does it mean green, green light? Topics for episode two with Alex D'Angelo that we didn't cover today. Cooking. Oh, cooking is such a big part of my... I can't believe we didn't... <laughs> It's like my favorite thing to do in the whole world. Um, records. Oh, final. It just sounds better. Alex once told me, this is going to be amazing. Alex once told me he has a weekly budget that he spends on records. 
Because there's a record store on Hastings, right? Yeah, Hooked on Fano. Shout out to Hooked on Fano. And he, he doesn't go there with a wallet. He goes there with a $100 bill. Totally. Because if he went there with a credit card, he'd spend way too much money. <laughs> Buddy, you could, you could spend $1,000 there so easily. Jeez. And it's the same with cooking. You go to like a, like a kitchen store. Oh, yeah. Like you can easily, oh, like look at a knife. It's like 300 bucks. <laughs> like you justify it. It's like, think of all the onions I can cut. Like it just makes no <laughs> sense outside that situation. But you got to go in there with a the plan, man. Yeah. Yeah, I love to talk about records. I love to talk about cooking mm-hmm. i'd love to talk about archibald but no one really gives a shit about archibald but i love archibald you you can turn that into something else though okay yeah it's more just like it's the same shit man like finding shit that makes you happy doesn't matter if it's golf or like taking your dog for a walk or like friends that you have or like this specific hobbies like cooking or art or vinyl Anything. I feel like a lot of your podcasts, though, are more people, like the discussions are more people about building a business. Hence the name Zero to Hair. Is that right? I don't think so. Not anymore? It's adjusted. Okay. I'd say the first 40 were like that, or were more we didn't talk steering. at all about like, my business either. But, but it's not that interesting. Businesses yeah. are built around people. And if you're not a well-rounded person, the business is going to be difficult to maintain, to yeah. grow, man. Yeah. I agree. Totally. Like, I'm so obsessed with the fact that people work with people that they enjoy being around. If they're smart people, that's what they'll do. Most people. Most yeah. people. 90% totally. of people likely work with people that they enjoy being around. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's a car mechanic or, like, a person that makes their cupcakes or, like, a deli person that they go to. Like if you have a good relationship with cupcakes, you you have a person that makes your cupcake. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. A baker. Sure. Okay. If you go to a deli and the person behind the counter is an asshole, you're probably going to go to a different deli. If you go to a deli and the person is the most charismatic, enjoyable person, and you have a five minute conversation with them that is very enjoyable. And they ask you about your kids and blah, 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 blah. You're going to go back there. I agree. Every fucking time you want meat. You're going back there. Totally agree. We're on the same Business page. revolves around people and relationships. 100,000%. This whole podcast started about our love for people, and I think it should finish on our love for people. It's called writing down. <laughs> Alex, you know I love you. Love you too, buddy, man. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. Fun. Thanks, man. For whatever reason, you put a mic in front of someone, and it just goes much deeper than you think it's going to go. I don't know. I feel like we have conversations like this more often than you think. But maybe not so in such a, like a confined, like structured type. I think we talk about this like, stuff like this quite often. Yeah, I feel like they're Probably more, more often than most people. They're more think. specific. Yeah. Cool, man. We'll do it again soon. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Cool.